Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 non-stop destination for A's baseball. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout and he blasts one. Way back! It's one out. Pete Alonso, he's your home run derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From spin rate to juiced balls to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Happy Friday, everybody. We have, and I'm not overselling this. We have a jam-packed show. The president of your A's, Dave Cavill, will be back with a major, major announcement. Mark Gubazov from the Angels, former World Series champion and all-star, will be here at 4.30. At 4.45, Seth Brown of your Oakland Athletics will be here. Bob Melvin at 5 o'clock, the skipper of the Athletics. Roxy Bernstein at 545, Jesse Rogers from ESPN at 6, and then Dominic Catronio will be here at 630. Wow. That's a jam-packed show. But the major news, not spring training. It's not about the players. The Oakland A's, in cooperation with Alameda County and Major League Baseball, announced they have received approval to welcome fans back to the Oakland Coliseum for 2021. Beginning opening day. You're going to be able to get your A's flex tickets, and some of you are going to be able to get in the ballpark and watch baseball once again. It's a... um, it's a it's a major story. I mean, if you go to the stories on ESPN.com, it, it's one of the stories. California is is all of a sudden now opening up. You know, it was just literally less than a month ago that the San Jose Sharks were not allowed to play in San Jose, that they had to go to Arizona to play. That was just a little less than a month ago. We're not going to get political here on, on A's Cast Live. That's not why you come here. But obviously, this whole thing with the votes for the recall is changing California. And it's 
for you people to go to games again, for us to go to games again. I can't wait. It's been over a year since we've been to a real game. We got to see spring training last year. We got to go to Vegas and see them take on the Indians, but that was, you know, that wasn't real games. I think, Cody, this is going to be, you know, the minute the minute we go to a game, I have a feeling we're we're gonna we're we're gonna really show our appreciation for the sport that we love so much that we work around, and just to have it back in our lives, I I, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be incredible. I can't I can't wait to go to a game, Cody. Well, we always mention the last game we went to, and you're wearing the shirt right now. It says, "Let's get wild." was the uh, wild card game against the Tampa Bay Rays where we had a uh, sellout at the Coliseum of over 55,000 people. Now, I think I saw it was Matt Kawahara of the San Francisco Chronicle who covers the A's saying that the 20% capacity that the fans will be allowed in on opening day would be around 11,000 fans. So that's a pretty good number to have to start. And then it goes up in tiers uh, as you go along, as you get out of the different so if Alameda County stays in the red tier, they're 20%. If they go up in, in the orange, into the orange tier, it's 33%. And then 67% capacity in yellow. So, And there's a lot of different um, things that, you know, that go into this. And we really won't dive into a lot of it. But, you know, obviously you're going to be physically distanced seating. You're going to have face coverings required. You know, ticket sales will, only be, will be restricted to California residents only. Mobile tickets only. Cashless transactions you know, all stuff to keep everyone safe. But I'm I'm excited to hopefully we can go to a game again at some point this year. If it's not in the first half, okay, that's fine. Second half of the year when there's a playoff push coming, that's when I hope we can return to the Oakland Coliseum. Yeah, as of now, we're not going to see each other in the treehouse. But, and this is not trying to make a, a, a joke, but, I mean, we're used to 11, 12,000 people at the game. So that, I mean, for, for us, it, it won't be abnormal. And we've also said if there's any place that you can social distance, I, I mean, of course, that is the Oakland Coliseum. We might have the best social distancing stadium in, in the league. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about putting people up uh, on Mount Davis. I, but I, I think for all of our fans, it's it's going to be – it's going to be a great time, and I think we're going to be loud and we're going to be rowdy, and I can't wait to see the Astros. I can't wait to see the Astros with fans in the stands. It was a whole different ball game last year, them walking around and not getting heckled. They didn't have a great year, but they got hot at the right time. So, you know. They haven't had to face the wrath of the fans. And this is, this is for me, this is not something that happened five years ago. This is still fresh on our minds, fresh on the Angel fans. Dodgers still hate them. Now we're going to see what it's going to be like when they get called cheaters to their face every game that they play on the road. That's 81 times that they're going to have people yelling at them. And now they're going to have to deal with it, finally. 
And how about the guys that weren't a part of it that are going to have to hear it and wear it? You don't think when a when a when a reliever gets up at a place like the Coliseum, you're not going to have fans yelling at them? You don't think the people are when you come out on deck, when Altuve or Bregman, Correa come out on deck and people are yelling, "You cheaters!" People are making signs. They were the one team of any team in professional sports that benefited from COVID-19. But now they're going to get it. And I can't wait to see it. Because you're going to have to be really, you know, when there's going to be that much negativity on you, you're going to have to really be mentally tough day in and day out and have to take it. Because think what COVID has also done to the media. You can't go into the clubhouse. So it's not like Astros show up to town and the, and the, and the, like New York media gets, uh, get, gets to go in there and talk to them. Or the Bay Area media or whoever. No, everything's by a Zoom call. We use Google Meets. But, you, you get what I'm saying. They've gotten away with this thing for so long now, but it's going to be like ripping an old, an old scab off. It, it's coming. Don't, the, don't we play the Astros? Is that first or second series of the season? Opening day, April 1st at the Coliseum, A's what? Astros. Opening day, 11,000 fans yelling at you. And trust me, A's fans at 11,000 can get loud. So we're going to see it game one. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Are we back on the field yet? Uh, Well, we won't be, but hopefully at some point this year. The Astros are already facing some problems. Now this is more COVID-related. They have eight pitchers that were in COVID protocols now that weren't able to, that weren't able to pitch today. Uh, it was... Christian Javier, Pedro Baez, who they just signed from the Dodgers, uh, Francis Martez, Enoli Paredes, Hector Velasquez were all out. And then on Thursday, Brian Abreu, Ronel Blanco, and Luis Garcia were sent away from the complex. So, And then remember, Framber Valdez also just got hurt with that fractured finger. So the Astros, it's, uh, you know, I want everyone talks about how they're, they're the favorite to win the NL, the NL, the AL West this year. And, uh, they, you know, they, they're still the best team. I, I, I have a hard time believing that. Just like I have a hard time believing the Angels are going to be so much better this year. Although Shohei Otani did look really good today on the mile of five strikeouts and hitting 100. But the Astros are going to have to face it, and, and, and it's going to be something that's going to be fascinating to watch all year long. I know a lot of people are going, yeah, I, th- I think uh, we, you know, we, wa- we wiped our hands clean of it. No, fans have long memories, and everyone's going to yes. remember this. Yes. Did Matt, did, uh, who did Olsen take deep today? Um, it wasn't, it was not, um, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, Otani. I don't think if I remember correctly, it was Keller. So that, you know, really good news right there. If you're just looking at the glass half full, I mean, it's a spring training game. The A's lost to the angels today, seven to three, but you know, Matt Olson hitting 429, got a couple home runs now. He got that A's cast live mojo. <laughs> you know, I mean, let's face it. When you're hitting under 200, that's rough. 
that really, really is rough. And I thought, and I, I honestly thought he was so honest about last season and just getting into his head. And a lot of it had to do with watching too much video. I mean, think about it. These guys had so much time on their hands. Like, you go to the ballpark, and then you go back to the hotel, and you don't go anywhere. I mean, there's only so much TV you're going to watch. I mean, there's... So some of these guys just started watching so much video and they got in their own heads. Might be a time for quite a few of these guys to get back to the the roots of sea ball, hit ball. And if Matt Olson can have a rebound year where he is a guy that has the capability of hitting 50 home runs. He has the capability of driving in 140 runs. You're you're talking about a monster MVP type season. He's got that in him. I think he, you know, I I think he can get out of bed and hit 40 home runs. When I think about when I, you know, when you just like project it, I mean, 40 home runs is going to be nothing for him. That's why I'm saying potential Cody for 50 and let's go 120 or more RBIs. I mean, that, you, you do that, you're getting MVP votes, especially if you're on a good team. I think it's a doable number, uh, especially in the offense the A's have. And, you know, they have the two home runs, they hit the 420. Now, again, uh, we're talking about spring training here, and, but it's, it's, it's not hard to get excited about seeing Olsen hit the ball. Well. Another, something else that happened earlier today in the game, I'm going to play an audio highlight for you. Uh, this play happened earlier in the game, and uh, Matt Chapman robbed Kurt Suzuki, and it was good to see him back in the field. He swings and pulls one to third. Diving play by Chapman up and over to first on a bounce. Pulled in by Olsen. Hello. Welcome back to playing defense for Matt Chapman. It's like he never left. And if you're looking for a play for Matt Chapman to tell you, I'm 100%. Yeah. We just saw it. So Matt Chapman get into action early with a diving stop at third to throw out Kurt Suzuki. Now it obviously wasn't it wasn't a Ronald Acuna Jr. or Mike Trout running on the line, but still it was a nice play and it shows that his hip looks uh pretty healthy. So that's that's a good sign uh, if you're taking taking try to look for positives in the seven to three loss in spring training. Uh, that's definitely one of the positives from today's game. No, there's no doubt about that. You know this is the same. It's the same surgery, didn't it? Isn't this the one Manaya had and Canna had? Is yeah. it the same surgery? Yeah. Yes, it is. These guys are young. They're healthy. He's going to be fine. And look for him to have a big year. If your two corners have a big year, and if you can get Jed going again, and guys in their prime like Canna and Loriano and Piscotti, if Piscotti can stay healthy. We just follow this team more than people outside of the market. So, I, you know, these national guys, when they make their predictions, I don't even know if they really follow all of our moves, but the, the guys that do, like Jim Duquette, will tell, you know, yes, he told us, the former GM from Sirius XM MLB channel. He thinks the A's are going to be fantastic. He's been following it. He loves this flurry of moves late in spring to sure up the holes. 
I mean, when when are we getting David on next week? Yeah, he told me to check back with him next week, so hopefully we'll have him one of the days we're on next week. You know, we're hearing that these executives didn't even have their budgets. People didn't know. Let me tell you something. The budget just changed. With fans in the stands, budget just changed. Things just dramatically changed for California teams. You know, we, we spoke with Jesse Rogers earlier today out of Chicago. They have not announced in Illinois fans for Cubs or White Sox. Every state, every county, everything's different. I mean, you 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 would have thought we would be the last state to have fans in the ballpark. Hundred percent. You would have thought. Hundred right? <laughs> percent. I, I literally, when Dave comes on, I'm going to tell him I'm 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 absolutely shocked. And the president of your organization joins us now. How are you? Great news today. Oh, it's fantastic news. We're thrilled to have fans on opening day to open the Coliseum back up to our loyal fans and have it roaring with uh, 10 or 11,000. It's going to be a great day. I, I, I got to tell you, I'm shocked. I mean, we were obviously the Bay Area. We were locked down more than anybody else around the country. And the fact that we're going to be one of the first states to open up to fans I, Dave, I'm shocked by that. It, it's it's great news, but I'm shocked. Well, I have to tell you, it, it really took the collective effort of all the California teams, Major League Baseball, working hand-in-hand with the governor's office um, to really come up with a safe operating plan to have the pod seating and the masking and all the necessary elements to ensure that we could have a safe opening. And I think we, we proved that up in a way that made sense. And, you know, now we're going to have the fans for opening day. So it's going to be great. Man, you know, Dave, we, we just have so much appreciation for the fans now. I, I think the, I've never I've never seen the players like this before where they all talk about we miss the fans. But it's very obvious that everybody in the sport and all the other sports, the, the games are just not the same without fans. No, the energy that they bring and it makes it so much more consequential. And, you know, I think the players play better they get up for the experience of being around the fans and so like you know i just think that's such an important aspect of what we're doing here and we maybe lost sight of it a little bit but now i think it's at everyone's forefront because we lost it there for a year and it's just fantastic that we have them back especially for opening day now obviously and we're going to go over this later in the show but obviously the protocols uh are going to be at the coliseum and people just need to have patience and understand that you're not only trying to entertain them, but at the same time, you're also trying to keep them safe. Yeah, absolutely. And people should know that, you know, we're doing everything we can. You know, safety is the number one goal for the players, for the staff, for our fans. And, you know, over time, as we move through the tiers, red into orange and into yellow, you know, things could get relaxed more. But to start out, you know, we have 20%, of course, the mandatory mask wearing, you know, limited concessions options. You know, the food is going to have to be um, really purchased on an app and delivered to you. So it's going to be a slightly different experience. And, you know, we're hoping fans can be, you know, flexible and understand that that this is just something that it's going to take to, to get the fans there, at least to start. And you have your new A's flex ticks. And it's, as we were mentioning the word flexible, I mean, it, it's great for the fans. Well, that's the idea. You know, it basically serves as almost like a gift card where you can use that credit to buy individual game tickets as 
games open up for fans. And so you'll be able to pick pods of two or four, and you'll have priority access ahead of anyone else, you know, the folks in the general public. And, and that's going to be important because there's not that many seats in the lower deck. It's important to remember it's 10,000 capacity across the entire stadium. So there's only about 4,000 in the lower deck. And we really encourage people to get their flex picks so they can sign up and get great seats. And I cannot wait for the Houston Astros to come to town, Dave. I cannot wait. <laughs> this is well, gonna... of, of course, we're lighting the candle with the Astros. Was there any doubt? <laughs> it's like now, okay, you got away with it last year, but you're not going to get away with it this year, especially with our fan base. Well, yeah, and, you know, we want to go out there and we want to win our division. And, you know, I think our fans are going to represent and it's going to be a great experience at the Coliseum. And, you know, we're just thrilled to get started. You know, we, we haven't talked to you about it. Uh, how, how is the Coliseum doing as a vaccination site? Oh, it's been a massive success. You know, we're doing eight to 9,000 vaccinations a day. Um, we've had great outreach into the local East Oakland community. We have two mobile um, units to go out to the faith-based community and the churches and ensure that we get folks in the local community vaccinated. We have teachers coming, you know, from the entire Bay Area to get vaccinated there. I think we had 5,000 teachers vaccinated the other day. And so it's just been a great resource. And it's important to remember that those are all federal doses of vaccine. Those are doses that normally wouldn't be in the Bay Area. And so the fact that we got the first federal site in the country at the Coliseum has really been a positive for our community. Yes, I know two teachers who work with my wife who got vac vaccinated at the Coliseum. And they said they were amazed how efficient it was because in other locations we're hearing not very efficient. Yeah, I mean, this is a federal effort. You have FEMA there, you have the National Guard, you have all the different elements working together, you know, with the state operation um, of, of emergency operations group. And so, yeah, it's a well-oiled machine and, and, you know, we can coexist sites and games that are socially distanced with about 10,000 capacity. That can work fine. They stay in the north lot for vaccinations. Anyone coming to the game comes to the south lot, gets off on Hagenberger. It can, it's designed to handle both, kind of like a dual event. And so I think that's a really important thing that people need to understand. So you are in Arizona. Just tell us what the vibe is like with the team right now. Well, I think, you know, this team is, is looking to finish some business. You know, I think we built on the wild card years by winning the division, by obviously advancing around in the playoffs. But I think everybody wants more. And I think they want to be able to show the league and, and everyone in baseball what this team can do over 162 games. Um, and there's a lot of new arms in camp that people are excited about. The bullpen is very strong. And so it's, it's a very positive vibe. But it's one that it's a little different than the last couple of years because I think there's a little bit more seriousness that people want to go out there and, and show folks that, that we can go deep into the postseason run and, and maybe the whole way. Well, I know how much uh, the, the, the fans mean to you because you interact as a president with your fan base more than most uh, presidents in professional sports. So y you don't have to be talking to cardboard cutouts anymore. You're going to be able to talk to fans. I'm going to love it. It's going to be great, just like old times. You can tell, tell a bunch of stories. And, yeah, I don't need to take any more selfies with the cardboard cutouts. That's, that's a thing of the past. And uh, so I'm really happy about that. Well, great news, and we always appreciate your time. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll enjoy some A's baseball. All right, let's go, Oakland.
Dave Cavill, the president of your organization. We're going to have fans, game one, Houston Astros. I just, everything, I mentioned this, I think, the other day. You know, it takes it takes a while to turn the ship all the way around, but it's like everything's going, Cody, in the right direction. You know, whether we're talking about the ball club, whether we're talking about, you know, trying to get a new stadium, you know, just everything is going in the right direction. It's a, it's an encouraging time if you're an ace fan. And if you're a baseball fan in California, it's very encouraging knowing that we're going to have fans. So, hey, let's not also forget, Disneyland's going to be opening on April 1st as well. So if you want to go down to old Anaheim and go see Mickey and Darth Vader, you can go do that as well on, on April 1st. Wow, I didn't know that. Disneyland's going to open up. Yeah, I saw that when they mentioned about how the ballparks were going to open. Um, they mentioned Disneyland, you know, obviously because it's outside. And I think Great America was supposed to open at some point in like May. So I'm, I'm assuming that's probably going to get pushed up maybe because being able to have people in. I wonder how that's going to affect like for the Sharks and the Warriors. Like, are they going to be able to have fans? I know it's inside, so it's a little different. But are they going to be able to have fans before their season ends? Because, I mean, the Sharks have, I mean, realistically, they've only been at home for a month. And, yeah. And the Warriors yeah, are I mean, I mean. Try and try and wrap your arms around that one. Less than a month ago, the Sharks weren't even allowed to play in San Jose. I mean, you want to talk about dramatic changes to decisions in the state of California. You know, the playoffs for Major League Baseball, they weren't that long ago. And no one was allowed at Dodger Stadium. No one was allowed at Petco Park. That was just a few months ago. 49ers had to go play in Arizona. Sharks had to go play. Yeah, they had to go play in Arizona. They had, they had to, sorry, you cut out there for a second. Yeah, the, yeah, they had to go play in Arizona also. Um, what were we calling them? The Arizona 49ers? Yes, the, the Arizona 49ers. Sharing the stadium with uh, Kyler Murray, who was seen at the Suns game last night in an A's baseball cap. Um, so take, take that with what you want. A uh, little odd to see that, but uh, I'm glad. I'm just glad your fans are me back, and that, that could be positive news for us. Maybe we'll get to return to the ballpark at some point this year. Maybe we can return to doing our show on the field. Maybe we can see Ray yelling, coming down, the, coming down, yelling, Downey! Hey, Downey! <laughs> I just, I, I, I miss the access of just being there on the field and players coming by and hopping on the headset. You know, we, we could... As you mentioned, we could just have one mic and you can wipe it down and give it to them and they can be at least 12 feet from us. So maybe, just maybe, we're going to get our, we're going to get our, not only get our lives back, but get A's cast live rolling the way it always has been instead of me being at my house and you being in your apartment. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, I'm moving into a new apartment with, with the second bedroom. So the kitchen table will not be the, uh, the home studio anymore for me. It'll not be an actual room, but. I hope we can get back at some point because it'll be a lot of fun to be back at the ballpark and see uh, all, all the fans and the players and broadcasters we connected with over the last couple of years. Coming up next, a World Series champion, an all-star, and now a broadcaster for the Angels. What are the halos looking like in 2021? We'll talk to our guy, Gooby. Mark Gubazaw will join us next right here on A's Cast Live. Streaming from the town. Ace Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Mark Gubazaw has a landline. 
Not a lot of those left out there. I know Ray Fossey has a landline. I have a landline. It's just because it was part of the package. I have no idea what the phone number is. So I have we have a phone in the, in the house. I don't have no idea what the number is. I don't think anyone's ever called it. Shohei Otani was back today, dealing. And I'm rooting for the guy, even though I'm not supposed to. I'm I am rooting because he's just an amazing talent. And cannot wait to uh, see it on full display healthy. Our next guest is a World Series champion. He's an all-star. He's part of the Kansas City Royals Hall of Fame. And now a broadcaster for the Angels. Mark Gubazal is with us. Gooby, how are you? Hey, Chris. What's going on, dude? It's great to hear your voice, man. We haven't seen you in forever. I know, man. It's been too long. Way, way too long, man. I know. You're trying, you're trying to avoid me, aren't you? I think that's what it's all about. Well, I... I how how shocked are you to hear that California teams are going to be allowed to have fans on opening day? You know, I heard a little rumbling about that just a couple of days ago, and I just kept keeping my fingers crossed because when you think about it, five teams in California and all of them have a chance to be really, really good. I mean, the Giants are improving. We know how good the A's have been. You know, the Padres are in, you know, the Dodgers are crazy good, and then the Angels are what they have done, you know, this offseason. So it's going to be a lot of fun for – baseball fans throughout the entire state of California. You know, thank God you never had to experience it in your great career, but, you know, all these guys, they talk about they struggled without the fans, and, and we now really know what the fans bring to our game. You know, it's, it's, they get you to that next level where, you know, you, you've used that, that positive energy when you're at home from your fans, and then when you're on the road and then they're screaming at you, you use that as motivation as well. So having fans there, and the passion they bring to every single baseball game is just, just absolutely huge for all five teams going forward. And I think in the game today, seeing Shohei Otani back out on the mound, we've talked he is such an amazing athlete. He is such an amazing talent when you take his offense and his pitching. Just I, I want to feel I want to see it on full display. You've gotten this you've gotten glimpse of that, but if he can stay healthy, how good can he be? Yeah, I mean, you think just, what, two days ago he hit a home run 468 feet to dead center field over the batter's eye, I mean, which is insane how far that goes. And then he touches 100 today. Generally, he was around 96 to 99 against a really good lineup for the A's they put up against him. So there's so many really good things. Yeah, you always want to temper our enthusiasm because you want to make sure he's healthy. But when you see that and see him run the bases, how fast he is, uh, you know, I, I've seen and witnessed a lot of great players in, in a number of different sports. First and forehand to be able to see that in, with my own eyes, but seeing what Otani is capable of doing. You know, we, like I said, he's got to be able to do that on a full season. But I think this year, the way the Angels are going about their routine with him, it's like no longer while well, he's going to pitch on Sundays and a couple days a week, so DH. No, he's he's one of the regular guys in that rotation. It'll be a six-man rotation. Whenever his day comes up, he's pitching that day. And then, you know, there's a possibility he could hit the day before, probably not the day after, but, you know, it depends how the season is going as well as we go forward. But if he could stay healthy, and just that little thing he did today with his mechanics, pitching from the stretch, looks so much more comfortable. I love his smile going off the mound today. That's, that's huge for him, 
you know, his teammates and, and anybody that loves baseball that you see that from him. And, you know, it's funny because as soon as I got done watching that, I, I threw out a little tweet saying how good he did. And somebody like Peter Gammons is reading that and retweeting it. So that's pretty cool knowing that you got baseball fans back east. You got baseball fans, you know, obviously in California and throughout the entire world that want Shohei Otani just to be able to be healthy to compete and see what he could do because he's a really special athlete. I want it to be like Little League. I want him to play every game, every inning. He's that kind of ta- – I mean, I want to see him hit and pitch in the All-Star game, be in home run derby. I mean, because what we've – just a little bit we have seen of him, he's just – he's amazing. Yeah. I mean, you know, I remember that first time where he had, you know, against the A's, taking the mound for his first major league start. You know, his first major league hit was a, a single against the A's there in up in Oakland. Uh, you know, it's just, just to see the things he's capable of doing. And we've, we probably talked so much about what, you know, we saw when Bo was playing both football and baseball, that it's like you need those type of, you know, wow type athletes in baseball. I and mean, there's so many of them now. I think there's so many incredibly good, gifted young talents in this game. And, and Shohei would jump to that top of the list if he stays healthy because he could do some those wow things on a consistent basis. You know, I, I just think about the amount of talent that is in Southern California right now. When you go south and you got Tatis Jr., Machado, I mean, you got Bellinger and Mookie Betts, and now you got Trevor Bauer and Clayton Kershaw, and then all the great talents, and you got the best player in the game. I mean, the amount of talent in Southern California right now is kind of mind-blowing. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's so much fun now that we're getting fans back in there to be able to witness that you can watch it on TV, you can listen to it on the radio. That's great. But to be able to witness it live to see that type of thing is, is, is always the best. And, you know, Anthony Rendon, we get to see him, you know, on a daily basis with the angels and, you know, Albert at the potentially the twilight of his career right now, still putting up some numbers that we may never see again in this game. I mean, it, and there's so much talent and I just, you know what? I, I love watching Matt Chapman play. I, I you know, just, he made an unbelievable play. This is his first game play. And then look at that backhand play he made in the game today. I mean, there's like in this state, it's, it's incredible just to see on display that there's amazing talent there is in baseball. But there's a lot of guys I love watching, and, and Chapman is one of those guys I just love to see. You, you know, the thing that I, I when I look at the Angels, it, it's it's the same question. How are they going to get 27 outs day in and day out? How is this pitching staff? Uh, you know, First, the thing happened today with Shohei Otani throwing that helps everything immensely. And Alex Cobb, uh, you know, I, you know, Jim Palmer immediately called me up and said, "Hey, you're gonna like this guy. He's, you know, he's battled some injuries, but when he's healthy, he's pretty darn good. He's got a power sinker, gets a lot of ground balls, nasty splitter. Jose Quintana, you know, we've seen him whether it was with the White Sox or with the Cubs, had some success. He hasn't had any drop off as far as average velocity on his fastball." He just got to stay healthy. He had a freak injury last year, so there's depth in there. Andrew Heaney's made some adjustments. He bought a Rapsodo to be able to film his, you know, grip and throw and his changeup, which I always felt he needed to because everything was firm. Everything's hard for him. His fastball, breakable. It's easier for the hitters to time it. Mixing that changeup, he he's got a chance to be in a lot lot better. Dylan Bundy, you know, already his first time out was excellent. He was great last year. So the depth is there. They retooled the bullpen, which. I think there was like 14 blown saves in the first two months of the season. That could have been a different ball club if you don't lose those leads like that. So uh, there's a lot of things to be thankful for as far as that rotation, but they got to stay healthy. That hasn't been the case. And you know that you've seen it enough watching the angels. When you think about 
the A's and the late moves made by the A's. How do you view the A's in 2021? You know, it's it's funny when you, you say that because maybe three, four weeks ago, whatever, I'm thinking, you know, Bob Melvin does such a good job getting this team and motivating them to win games. I'm thinking, you know, they're going to be a little bit short this year. Then you look up, you get Mitch Moreland, you get Rosenthal, you get Elvis Andrews, who's a winner. Then all of a sudden, I'm thinking, you know, they're going to be tough again. They're going to be tough again. They're going to be probably, you know, it's a three-team race, I think, between the Angels, A's, and the Astros again. The Astros, you know, Framer Valdez getting hurt may set them back on the rotation a bit, but they're still – they're offensively, they're strong. They are really, really strong. Uh, so they're not going away. Seattle's on the uprise, too. They're still, I think, a little bit of ways, and, and the Rangers, are, you know, they're still trying to figure out themselves. But those top three teams are as good as any teams in the American League, and, and if it all comes down to – who could stay healthy on, on the mound? Because uh, they're all going to catch the ball. They're all going to hit the ball. Uh, you know, the A's have some great young arms. You've got to keep them on the, on the mound. And that's the same thing with the Angels. they got to keep their guys on the mound. And the Astros, the same way. If everyone does that, it's going to be a fun race all the way to the end. You know, I, I, I'm not sure. When, 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 when we start talking about pitching this season, you know, some people think not throwing a lot last year hurt pitchers. Some people think, well, there's a lot of mileage on those arms, and, you know, maybe it's going to rejuvenate. What do you think pitching is going to be like this season after just playing 60 games last year? See, I'm on that, that side where I think you don't throw a whole lot. I don't think it's a great thing. I mean, you, you think, oh, you know, taking a year off or only throwing 70 or 80 innings, uh, you know, you, you, all of a sudden you're going to have a shot in the arm. You're going to feel much better. I I've always was a believer, and I always taught this from even you know, veterans I was around coming up as a, as a young pitcher. The more to, more you throw, the better you are. The better the idea you're going to have on the mound. Look, you go back to Trevor Bauer. He wants to pitch in a four-man rotation. And, you know, and you look at that rotation there in the Dodgers, I said, I don't think so. But <laughs> he understands the importance of throwing the baseball. And the more you throw, the stronger you're going to get. And then, you know, as the season progresses, you do less time in your bullpen session, this and that. But you want to throw. And that's the only way you get better. So it'll be interesting to see. Let's end on this. You're down there in Southern California. And I I said this before the playoffs. I said, no matter who wins the World Series, we're going to look back at this World Series as one of the toughest ones to to ever be won. I mean, you look at the extended playoffs. You look at all the testing, these guys being in bubbles. Uh, and then you don't get to have the parade. But just when you look back at the Dodgers and, and you're around it, just it was a very special year for them to finally get over that hump and win the World Series. Yeah, it really was for them. I, you know, I equate to what they did last year is uh, Hearns and Hagler fight. You know, it, was, it only went a few rounds, but it was one of the best fights I've ever seen ever in a boxing match. So the, those two went at it. The Dodgers went at it, and they, they were able to stay healthy, and they had enough depth. I think that's the thing they had better than anybody else, their depth. They could withstand anything during the course of that sprint of a season. They, you know, they top guys against the Dodgers. They could have and should have lost that series against the Braves, but they didn't. They, they, they got a great throw from Mookie Betts against Zunia at, at, at the plate, uh, and then everything turned around, and they came back in that one. And, and I think they were much more talented than, than the Rays going in there, although the Rays were a great story sprint of the year. That fight was great, though, those two. The Dodgers and then Hagler Hearns, that was my all-time favorite. Oh, awesome. Hey, it's so great to hear your voice. It sounds like at some point we'll get to see you this season. I hope so. I mean, that's that's the – I'm going to keep my fingers crossed in that because uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a, a fun, fun season. Like we mentioned, so much young talent. It's going to be great for baseball fans.
Well, be well, be safe with your family, and let's talk soon. Yeah, you got it, Chris. Anytime, my man. Mark Gubaza, the former World Series champion and all-star. Are we having problems, Cody? Uh, clearly, it's a Google thing because usually it's the Internet and we would get disconnected, but we're not being disconnected. It's clearly Google, keep, the meat keeps freezing. So, like, you're, you're fine, and, and, but I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on because the Internet is, like, we're still connected and we're still live. We're streaming. It's just I don't know what's going on with this room. You're, uh, you're, uh, <laughs> you're, you're freezing on me. Why don't we go to a commercial break, and why don't we both just reset our computers? Uh, okay. we got to hurry because Seth Brown's calling us. Hi, this is Ramon Laureano. And the throw is going to be in time at the plate. Laureano firing a strike all the way on the line. And you're listening to Ace Cast, your 24-7 destination for Ace Baseball. How we doing, Commander? Well, I guess we'll find out. Because <laughs> I, I closed out Google and restarted uh, the, the browser, so we'll see how it goes. Because, like, again, we're not disconnected from the streaming. It's just the, the the room we're in. So I don't know if the room's bad, but we had no problems earlier when we talked to Jesse Rogers and, and everyone, so I don't know what's going on. But as we wait, Seth Brown's call. We apologize, but sometimes uh, the computers, they, uh, they they don't do us right. So I don't. You're on one. You're you're on like two different calls now. Yeah, I'm I'm here. Uh, I I don't know what to do with this this issue. Um, I'm gonna reach out and tell maybe have Seth call in a little bit. By the way, uh, you want a key number for the Dodgers? This is mind blowing. Two hundred and sixty million. That's what the Dodgers payroll. It's probably going to be to open the season. $260 million. Unbelievable. Seth, it's Chris Townsend with the Oakland A's. How are you? Doing well. How are you? Uh, just having you guys back on the field, having fans in the stands, what has been the, what has the start of spring training been like? Oh, it's been phenomenal. Um, like you said, it's awesome to have fans back in the stands, uh, just being back on the field, back in the sunshine. Um it's just uh, it's been awesome so far. Looking forward to the rest of the spring, and uh, I just you know it's just a, such a different feel when you have fans in the stands. Um, it's awesome. Yeah, and it, it's it's even though it's not sold out, you know, and there's only so many fans. It's just the fact that you guys are looking at human beings and they're cheering you on or they're booing you, whatever it is. It's just I I, I think you players and even us with the media and us with the ball club, we just have a new a newfound appreciation for the fans. Absolutely. I mean, to me, fans have always made the games for me. Um, it's uh, it's just almost incomplete without them. So, you know, whether you're getting heckled, whether they're cheering for you, it's just, or just the, the constant mutter from the fan. I mean, just from the stadium itself, uh, it just changes the game, uh, changes the field for us as players. So it's, it's been really fun to see everybody again. And, um, you know, we always have our, our fans that come out every year. So it's good to see familiar fans, um, you know, and the new ones that show up. It's just awesome to have people out. Yeah. How good was it for you to hear? And I'm sure you guys have talked about it, that it's going to be 162 games and you're going to play a full season. Yeah, it, it's really, it's really all we've been looking forward to uh, with everything going on in the world right now. It's, it's a crazy time. Uh, it's been a crazy 2020, so 
looking forward to turning the page, uh, starting off the 2021, um, you know, with everybody involved. Uh, and as far as the full season goes, it's just, it's a, almost a dream come true for us as players. Um, been looking forward to it since, uh, you know, the end of the season last year. So it's uh, it's a great opportunity and uh, we're all looking forward to it. Yeah, it seemed like a really long off season, even though it was normal. But what was the off season like for you, and, wh- and what did you work on? Uh, the off season for me, um, it, it really didn't. I mean, yeah, granted, we had a little bit more time, um, but finally, get, I mean, being home uh, was really good, um, and getting back into the training regimen that I do every off season, and I spend my I spend my off seasons up in Central Oregon. Um, and I train at Boss Sports Performance up there. Great gym, and great great community up there. And I train with a few other guys that play throughout the league. And um, it's just kind of back to the grindstone for me. Um, I'm pretty I'm a pretty simple guy. Um, you know, it's up at up at 5:30 every morning, um, and straight to the gym, straight to hit. And it's just like I said, I'm a simple guy. So it was it was really nothing new for me, um, but just a lot of training. Well, when you have uh, all the siblings you have, it kind of toughens you up as a kid. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Um, it, and it, it's it's awesome having a big family um, and just being involved with all my brothers and sisters and their kids now. Um, it, it's it's awesome to be a part of. I, I enjoy it. Have enjoyed it. Um, but you know, it's like you said when you're when you're second to youngest, you you got to toughen up quick. <laughs> you, you know, it's really fascinating these days are all these different places, whether it's for pitchers or for hitters that have popped up around the country that gives you guys really a place to, to get better. And there's video and there's all this data and technology. Uh, what are these places like for a hitter like for you? Uh, you know, it, it's it's a game right now where, I mean, analytics are everything. Um, and there's so much data you can pick from to help you out. Um, and it, it, for me, it's kind of a pick and choose sort of thing. I, I have to really discern what numbers I need to focus on, um, you know, what measurements I need in order to be successful. Uh, when there's so much information fall, I mean, flowing around there, it, it can be overwhelming at times. So I think it's, you know, the thing for me that I have to do is pick what I believe is important for me, um, important for me to focus on. Uh, otherwise, it's just like it gets overwhelming when you can, because there is so much information that you're able to get your hands on these days, uh, not just from a baseball perspective, but training's perspective. I mean, it's, I mean, numbers are becoming everything. So uh, it's important to understand it all, and it's important to pick and choose kind of what is going to work for you uh, as a player. You know, Matt Olson told us earlier this week that he thinks he got too much into video and it kind of messed with his head. And, you know, just thinking about it, you know, last season, you know, you leave mm-hmm. the ballpark, you, you go to the hotel, you're not allowed to go anywhere. And, you know, sometimes it's better to get a little old school and get the sea ball hit ball back because you can you can't do much video. Absolutely. I am. A, I'm a big believer in the old school way. Um, to me, I, I mean, it, I, I agree with Matt a lot as far as sometimes when you're looking at video, you can, it's all, it becomes an obsession of what you're doing wrong. Um, and you're constantly getting that feedback and every player is different. You know, I, I know players that really, really enjoy it. Um, and it really, really works for them. Uh, me personally, I, I, I stay away from video as much as possible. Um, you know, I, I like to feel my swing versus see it. Um, you know, I have a picture in my head of what I look like. Uh, when I'm hitting and when I look at video and, I, and it doesn't look that way, 
it drives me nuts. So, um, you know, I'll go to video only a handful of times throughout a season. Otherwise, I just like to feel uh, feel my swing. And if I'm feeling good, uh, it usually means I'm hitting I'm hitting okay. <laughs> I, I feel the same way in golf. It's like when I see my swing, I go, ugh. And then you start yeah, absolutely. all the thing. You start thinking about all the things you do wrong, and you forget about the things that you do well. Absolutely. I mean, and it takes away at the end of the day. I mean, it takes away from your focus on what's actually happening. It's, you know, as far as when you're facing a pitcher, I mean, the arms are getting so good these days that if your mind is on is on something other than what's I mean, what pitch is coming out of his hand, um, you really are lowering your chances of being successful at the plate. So. Uh, just me personally, like I said, I stay away from it as much as possible. How good do you think this A's team is? Uh, we got a lot of talent running around out there, um, and obviously a lot of veterans running around. And so, you know, it's a great combination of uh, skill and and uh, just no knowledge of the game. Uh, when you have guys running around out there that have been around the game for so long, um, it, it's just amazing the type of information that you can pick up, uh, especially for me. Um, you know, learning as much as honing my own, my own skill set, my own craft. Uh, but when, like, when you got a lot of talent running around out there mixed with a, a great knowledge of the game, uh, you know, big thing. We always appreciate the time. Be well, be safe. And uh, I don't know. By the way, before you go, did you hear about what happened in California today? Absolutely not. Um, they're saying what, are, we what have- happened. They're saying we can have fans as of game one, opening day. Oh, that's a fa- that's fantastic. Oakland A's fans, get out there. We need you. Oh, it's going to be glorious. Hey, thanks so much. Be safe, and we'll talk soon. Hey, good talking with you. Appreciate you having me on. Looking forward to it. Seth Brown of your Oakland Athletics, and boy, does he, he does have a sweet swing. And, wow, the players, I, they haven't heard yet, I guess. Yeah, I guess I guess it doesn't travel. News doesn't travel fast in Arizona, apparently. But um, well, Bob Melvin's up next, and just going to be honest with you, we taped him earlier today, so we weren't we we didn't know this was going to happen. So I will not be asking Bob Melvin because you know how much he cares about the fans. Bob Bob is a manager that is he gets it. Like, he really, really, like some managers, I don't know if they care about their fans or not. I mean, they all say they do, but Bob really does. And, like, when, when the A's have big crowds, he's dying to get those victories. He wants to win, I mean, he wants to win every game, but especially those games because he wants to get more people in the ballpark. And if they're winning games when you got a sold-out house for firework night or whatever, you put on a good show, makes people want to come back. This is a good team, man. I hope everybody's excited. The team's good. We're going to be back in the ballpark. It doesn't get any better than that. You and I are going to be back in the ballpark. I'm excited. Can't believe we have that much spring training left. I'm ready to get games going now. Real games. What are we on March 5th? We've still got like three weeks until April 1st. (laughs) Hi, this is Shamanaya. Shamanaya has no hit the red. And you're listening to A's Cast, your 24-7 destination for A's baseball. It's so interesting to get different people's takes on pitching in 2021. You just heard Mike Fires there. Mike Fires said, hey, I think the break and not pitching as much helped me. 
All righty, here, you know, once we get back into the regular season, we'll have a weekly conversation with Bob. But we hadn't talked to, we hadn't talked to him a while. Here's my conversation earlier today with the skipper, Bob Melvin, before the game. It's now time for the Bob Melvin Show right here on A's Cast Live and A's Cast, brought to you by nestbedding.com. Love where you sleep. Skip, it's been a while. How are you down there in Arizona? It has been a while, and uh, I'm good. We, uh, you know, we're, we're into games now and, you know, start evaluation process. And once games start, you know, we're staying away from our pitch, our major league pitchers at this point. I think we'll break out a couple of relievers today, but it's going to be another turnaround before our starters will, will pitch in, uh, you know, regular spring training games. Most of this stuff's to be done simulated to kind of give them a little bit of a break uh, heading into the season. But uh, so far, so good. Before we start talking about your players, just for you as a guy who's been in this game basically the majority of his life, I just how how was it when you first had fans back in the ballpark and you got to hear those roars again? It was incredible. Even though it was only twenty percent, it felt like it was a packed house. So I think everybody notices that right away. Everybody welcomes it. Obviously, hopefully the process continues as the, as the vaccines rolled out and the farther we go along, and hopefully by you know at some point in time we get to see. A, a packed house at some point we're not there yet but boy baby steps and and the guys definitely feel it yeah it's just it, it's it's our world has changed so much and we had to accept you know cardboard cutouts and it just was a reality and and you know all the players that we've talked to so far this spring they talk about the appreciation it's like it, it, it we, we took the fans for granted no doubt and you know it's it's now we're looking to try to give some autographs and so forth. We can't do it, but you're exactly right. You, you understand uh, and appreciate the fans so much. Uh, we always did. Our Oakland fans are, are one of a kind, but now you really understand how, what a big part of the game they are and how much inspiration you get from them, what you draw from. So uh, like I said, hopefully it increases as we go along. You, you talked about, you know, not using your starters right now. And that's really been the big question for a lot of people this off season after only having 60 games, you know, you had a, a, an abbreviated spring, then a shutdown, then a summer camp, and then that quick season, and then this offseason. Uh, what really is the plan to make sure you protect these guys? Because they haven't thrown a lot in the last year. Right. I mean, you can look at it two ways. I mean, at, at times, I think, you know, they got a break last year, and they're eager to go out there and, and, and you know, up their workloads. But you know, what we're able to do over at minor league camp is get them the reps, like Chris Bassett threw four ups today. Uh, you get them the reps, you control the environment, so to speak, and make sure they get the number of pitches in and then just bring them on a little bit slower. And, you know, once you once they get into these games, you'll see them out there, you know, not for one or two innings like you see early on in spring, but they could be out there for three or four innings. So I, I think every team strategy on this is a little different I mean I just saw Jesse Chavez out there he just signed the other day and he's pitching today so I think different organizations handle it a little bit differently I this offseason was crazy right normally everybody's signed uh by the winter meetings and most of the decisions are done I remember talking to you down in San Diego at the winter meetings and then all of a sudden you have you have holes and then those holes got filled like in the last two weeks before spring training what was that like for you? Like you didn't know who your shortstop was. You didn't know who your second baseman was. 
Uh, you, you had questions in the bullpen, then all of a sudden, bam, it was all done. Yeah, I was getting a little nervous, I must admit. I mean, you know, you lose Marcus, and who's going to play short? And and, and it really it was, the, unfortunately, we, we lose Chris Davis to a trade, but it, that trade not only allowed us to get a shortstop, it allowed us to spend a little bit more money. And, you know, when David and Billy get an opportunity, they can do it pretty quickly, as you saw. But like you said, I mean, it's, it felt like it happened in, in a 10-day week to 10-day period where all of a sudden now all our holes are filled and our bullpen feels great again. And, you know, there was a point down here where, you know, and then Mitch Moreland comes in and, and I'm, then we had a day where nobody came in. I was like, no new player today? So, you know, it, it, it happened late. It, they were very opportunistic, obviously, and we feel great about our team. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it's kind of crazy, but when I look at your roster and talking to Trevor Rosenthal, who didn't give up a run with the Padres, and he talked about how he didn't want the season to end. He was throwing the ball so well, and he's got that great experience. I mean, you've had two clubs that have won 97 games, and then you won the division last year. But I, I think it's an honest question. Is this your deepest team that you've had in the last couple of years? You know, it's a tough question to, to, uh, to answer right now. We'll see as we go along. I will say that I was really nervous about our bullpen because it was such a strength for us last year, and it looked like there were just too many holes to fill. Uh, and then the next thing you know, here comes Calera, here comes Petit, here comes Romo, here comes Rosenthal, and, and now all of a sudden we feel – you know, I obviously losing Hendricks hurts, but we feel depth-wise that we're, you know, we're in as good a spot potentially as we were last year. So we'll see how it plays out. But I know that the guys that we brought in really want to be here. Uh, every man, every guy to a man told me, look, I, I wanted to come somewhere where we had a chance to win. We see how you guys play. You have fun. You play hard. You know, so all these guys are really embracing being here. I don't even know that Mitch Moreland was, you know, set on playing. And then when the opportunity arose here, he jumped at it because he sees the group we have here. So the guys, on top of everything that we've talked about, uh, the guys fit in really well here. You know, I know you're very humble, but the reality is I remember when no one wanted to be here and I knew they didn't want to be here. And it was it was really they were tough interviews. You knew people were looking to get I mean, other than Coco, everybody was looking to get out of Dodge. You've set this kind of. I don't know, family-like, I, I, don't, I don't know how you want to call it, but since you've been here, you've made it a place that people want to come, they want to be here, they don't care about the old ballpark, and they want to win. Just how important has that been to you and your staff that you do have players that they love being here? It's huge, and you hit it on the head. There was a time when, you know, you'd see a potential player, free agent, talking about Oakland, and all he was doing was using it to drive up the cost somewhere else. Now you have guys that really want to come here. And, it's you know, it's the atmosphere here. It's the players we have. Everybody wants to play with Chapman and Olsen and these guys. And and we do like to have a little fun. We let them be who they are. And, and uh, you know, they seem to embrace it. So, you know, our coaching staff does a great job with the two. You know, for the right amount of work, the right amount of fun. Uh, it seems to to just be a pretty good place, like you said, the last few years to be here. And, you know, maybe the Coliseum isn't uh, the number one destination for, for everybody, but, uh, you know, they, they just want to get on a baseball field and win no matter what the field looks like. Well, duct tape uh, continues to do great things for you. We call Mark Canna duct tape because whatever Bob Melvin needs, Mark Canna can do. And now uh, 
it's it's shocking that a rule five guy is your longest tenured player. It's shocking that he could play center field. Now you're talking about leading him. He's leading off today. He is. You know, it's funny. And I, I texted him one night. I said, I'm doing a creative thinking exercise. What do you think about leading off? And he kind of sent me one of those he's laughing, crying emojis. And the next thing I know, well, like, uh, like I know Mark is, okay, now he's going to start digging a little bit. I'm going to give him a couple days before I talk to him about it again. He knew I was serious. And then he came to me with an evaluation that just blew me away only like Mark can a can. So um, he's embraced it. It doesn't necessarily mean, you know, he'll be that guy, but you look at his on-base percentage, um, that certainly plays into it. You want some guys at the top of the lineup that are getting on base. Not only that, you make a mistake, could be one nothing in a hurry. So I think he's embracing all that. Yeah, he's uh, he's a special guy, and it's uh, it's just crazy. He's the longest tenure day, but he has been so good for you. And uh, how about AJ Puck? That's been a, a lot of talk about AJ this this off season. We know how talented he is. How's he feeling? How's he looking so far? And what do you think he'll be able to do for you this year? You know, we're still trying to figure that one out. Uh, we were going to try to build him up as a starter. And then if we need him in the bullpen, obviously uh, it could play there. Whether or not what innings limits look like this year for him, he's the one guy that, you know, really doesn't have a, a season of a ton of innings. He threw his first simulated game today, uh, just a little while ago. And, and I think the, the off-season procedure he had really put his mind at ease. He looks as free and easy as we saw him a few camps ago when he was lighting everything up. And I think uh, it's taken a lot off his mind that now he doesn't have to think about, okay, how's how's my shoulder going to feel? He just goes out there and throws and he threw really well today as well. Well, I I was thinking about you over last weekend with the world golf championship and Colin Morikama winning again. Of course he won the, 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 the PGA at Harding park. When did Cal become a golf school? recently and um and it's fun to watch i mean certainly i i love watching golf but now when you have a when you have a bear out there playing the way he is it's such a young age too he's his swing's fantastic he's a machine uh that's not going to be the last tournament that that he wins and he's he's got a bright future ahead of him so it just just makes it a little more interesting to be able to to watch you know a cow bear at the top of the leaderboard and and have someone else to pull for you know, it, it, it's been over a year since we've seen you. And recently we had uh, the celebration of life for Dick Callahan and got to see, you know, our fellow employees that we haven't seen in over a year. So I, I got to tell you, I miss you. And, and, and I can't wait to, to, to see you guys back in Oakland and uh, go to be, a baseball game because Cody and I talk about all the time, Bob. The last game we went to was the wild card game. That's amazing. It really is. So I, I think everybody's looking to, you know, get to see everybody that's involved in the game. It's not just the players and the staff. It's it's everybody, you know, our organization, it, it, the feeling comes from everybody on, in our organization and, and certainly you included. So I'm looking forward to seeing you on the field as well. Hopefully we get to that point pretty soon. And, you know, at some point we're back to some sort of normalcy where everybody can enjoy baseball firsthand and not just have to watch it on TV. And that is the Bob Melvin Show brought to you by NestBetting.com. Use the coupon code Oakland to get 10% off your entire order. Love where you sleep. That's NestBetting.com. You know, little did we know that hours later, 
we'd be finding out that fans are going to be allowed back in the ballpark. Obviously limited at first. But, you know, we just talked to Seth Brown. He hadn't even heard about it yet. I wonder if Bob, I wonder if Bob even knows. Maybe we should send him a text. I mean, it's going to be, it's, it's, it's going to be electric, even though it's only going to be like 11,000. We're used to that. But I, I, I think now it's just going to be the appreciation everybody is going to have for each other in the stands, on the field, the, the, the player. Remember when they, they, they would talk about that, you know, players need to sign more autographs. Players need to be more involved selling, the, you know, all of that. Well, I think you're now going to get it. You may not get autographs, obviously, but I think you're going to see the appreciation that these players have for you and especially our fans who love the players so much, sometimes a little too much, but. It's going to be, um, I can't wait. Guess what came in the mail today? Did you finally get your parking pass? I got Dave Renetti got me my parking pass. Little did I know when I got my parking pass, I could be using it potentially for the first game of the season. That'd be awesome if that was the case, and hopefully we can. Because remember, we talked about how great it would be that, you know, did we have fans back in the ballpark for April 1st against the Astros? Well, you knew the A's take on in the second uh, series of the homestand, right? I believe that's the world champs. Yeah, the uh, Dodgers will be heading to town. Trevor Bauer and our good friend Dave Roberts will be coming into town. So uh, that's uh, the the first two ho- the first seven games at the Coliseum are going to be really good with the Astros and then the Dodgers and then the A's go on the road and then they come back and old AJ Hinch comes back to town. So two hundred and six. The lug- the first luxury tax is two ten. They're at two sixty. You got the Padres handing out three hundred million dollar contracts like it's nothing. You got the Dodgers two sixty. Well, I mean, what are the Angels paying this year? They're paying a boatload of guys. They're paying Pools. They're paying Trout. They're paying Rendon. Don't tell me that there is not money in baseball. And you know the good thing for the California teams is now you're going to have some ticket revenue coming in. That should put a smile on on people's faces. It is really hard to believe that the Dodgers are looking to become the first team to go back-to-back in the National League since the Big Red Machine. That's just unbelievable that a National League team has not won back-to-back. I guess the team you would have thought about that had the most chances was the Atlanta Braves. But it's just in the American League. You got Yankees obviously did it with four straight. The Toronto Blue Jays did it with two straight. The A's had three cracks at it and only won one. But a National League winner has not gone back-to-back since 75-76. Look how many teams we've watched go back-to-back in all these other sports whether it's the Patriots or the Spurs or the Warriors. I mean, there's so many teams that have repeated. It's hard to believe the National League, we, we, we haven't had a repeat champion in your lifetime out of the National League, Cody. Yeah, what the last team to do it in the AL was the Yankees. So, so I saw the Yankees do it in the what, late 90s and the early 2000s. But, yeah, the, 
I was born 10 year, 12 years after the Reds won the back-to-back World Series, so it's been forever. So I haven't even seen the Pirates win the World Series in my lifetime. I was one when the A's won the World Series in my lifetime. So it's been a long time since I've seen teams I like win a championship in baseball. So maybe the Dodgers do it. I think they can. I mean, I mean, you're, you're silly to not think they're the favorites in the World Series again. After winning last year and adding Trevor Bauer to their lineup or to their rotation, even if, you want, even if he does want to pitch every four days and that's not going to happen, they have a very talented team, and I think they definitely can they can definitely repeat this year uh, if if all goes well. But the Padres are coming. Uh, people really like the Giants after this season to be a team that tries to make some moves going into the offseason because they're going to have all that money off the books. I heard Lindor's name thrown out there. There's been so many different names thrown out there. It's like, I, I don't – pump the brakes. They're like One of the only multi-year deals that Farhan Zaidi's given out was Wilmer Flores. So – if you're expecting yeah, Francisco Lindor. And, and, and until I see a free agent hitter say, yes, I'll take your money. Until we see that. The last, the last big free agent hitter was Barry Bonds. And the reason why he came back is because he wanted to come back home. I... I, I if you're buying, if you're drinking that black and orange Kool-Aid, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I, I'm not buying it. They don't have anybody on that team. I mean, who, who on that team is super talented? Look, you, got you don't the- have, you don't have one guy's talented, Mookie Betts, Bellinger, I mean, all that. I mean, I, you look at this Do- This this Dodger team is not going away anytime soon. And you got a, just a bunch of old and expensive guys. And then you you think you're going to go out there and throw some money around? Watch, guys. Guys do not want to hit in the cold. That's just a re. You know, that's the sad thing about putting your ballpark on the water in the Bay Area. And the thing, same, you know, I hope it doesn't happen to the A's when they get their new ballpark. But, I mean, where else in the country do do people have beanies and scarves on in July? <laughs> uh, nowhere else, honestly. Maybe in Seattle yeah. when it rains, but not highly unlikely. Yeah, but they got a roof. Yeah, so you don't have to worry about it. I forgot, to, I forgot that the, uh, what is it, T-Mobile Park is now, they have the retractable roof, yeah. Uh, you uh, you might see scarves and stuff in New York and Pittsburgh and Detroit and Cleveland in April, but not early in summer. Early late, but not in the middle of summer. No. I mean, you watch, you watch a Giants game on NBC Sports Bay Area, and the people are freezing cold. To where, go an hour away down here to San Jose, and it's it's 85 at night. It's just the craziest thing. And hitters don't want... What, what what was the big big guy, um, that they had, dark hair. The Giants. Yeah. Like, are you talking about a free agent signing or just? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, he came. I think he was a free agent. Matt. Um, Matt Williams. No, not Matt Williams. <laughs> uh, he's he played recently. He's a big home run hitter. Big dude. Mac Williamson. No, Matt. Who's a Matt? Yeah, this guy played in the league for years. He was the one that told us about how 
these guys are putting petroleum jelly, basically Vaseline on their bodies and then putting their uniforms on because it blows. But I've, I found that fast. I was like, wait a minute, you, you, you put Vaseline all over your body and that keeps you warm. You put snot on the baseball. No, but I mean, it's smart. Cause let me tell you, if you're out there and just, I mean, look how freezing people are and you're just out there in a uniform. Are you talking about Michael Morse? Michael Morse, yes. Okay. God, I, how did you not... I'm sorry. You mean Nationals legend Michael Morse? He had a, a really good year at the Nats a few years ago. He hit over 30 home runs. I think he was doing Giants TV not that long ago. So, um, yeah, I'm until sorry. I, until until I see somebody until I see somebody take their money, I, I, I'm not buying a big time free agent. A Francisco Lindor is going to sign a big contract and see his numbers go. Because anybody who plays there, your numbers go down. Ask Evan Longoria how much he's having, how much fun he's having hitting at that ballpark. Remember, they were talking about how bad he was defensively, too, because the grass was different and at the trough than it was at 18. Well, it was then 18, now Oracle Park. His defensive numbers were dropping, too. He just completely changes an overall player going there. So, yeah, I don't see them. The farm system's pretty good. They got some guys like Elliot Ramos and Luciano, these guys that are. They're supposed to be uber prospects, but until they can come up to the majors and do something, they're not catching the Padres and Dodgers, that's for sure. Uh, I, I, I would say that the Dodgers have a better chance of sustaining the run than the, the Padres. But things change over time. But right now, the Dodgers are, are basically in that Atlanta Braves mode where they go to spring training every year as the favorites, and they don't think they're going to get caught. And by the way, they're spending money. I mean, two hundred and sixty million for a baseball payroll. I mean, that's crazy. And that means you're paying all that luxury tax money. And you know what? The Dodgers with that big TV contract, they don't care. Yeah. Meanwhile, the the Pirates have a payroll of like forty million, and the Indians' payroll is like forty million. You could literally put like five different teams' payroll together, and they match what the Dodgers' payroll is this year. But the funny thing about them, too, is, like, no one goes, I hate the Dodgers. Like, people hate the Yankees. Remember when the Yankees were the evil empire? You don't hear people saying that about the Dodgers, though. It's completely different. And maybe- Well, now that they've won, how much is that going to change? Because yeah. that's why you hate the Yankees, because they're winning every year. And L.A., which is really strong is the fact that Mookie Betts is the only guy that they really have under contract for years to, to come. So, yeah, they're spending a lot of money per year, but they're in a couple of years, they're going to have payroll flexibility. And it's not going to be hard for the L.A. Dodgers to get free agents. Yeah, it's after 2022. Like, the only guy they have on the books is Mookie Betts. So, yeah, I mean, so when you talk about Giants having payroll flexibility, these guys got payroll flexibility and they – I, I got to think the Dodgers minor league system is rated higher than the Giants. I don't think it is this year. I think the, the Giants have one of the top – everyone's different, but I'm going to look it up. Um, and I'll see where they're, where they're, currently, where they're currently ranked at. Um, let me find MLB.com or someone, maybe even ESPN if I can get into it. 
But yeah, I'll, I'll see what see what I can find on. Don't mess with your, don't mess with your computer. <laughs> yeah, essentially, yeah. I, I mean, apparently, everyone I've asked, by the way, today, no one's had any issues with Google. So I don't know what's going. I don't know if there was like a an update that installed on this computer we use for the show, and it's like having issues with Google. But um, I'm trying to get to the bottom of it, and I apologize for all the issues. Uh, one sad note, though, about when, once we open this thing up. We will not have the treehouse, which I pretty much knew would not happen no matter what. But it's sad to say I won't be seeing you in the treehouse anytime soon. Because it's going to be all about keeping us safe, making this thing happen. Now back to Ace Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. No, we're, 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 we're dealing with some issues today, folks. It's just a reality. I have no problem telling people, Cody, um, your computer is acting up. Uh, that's essentially what the issue seems to be. I don't know what it is, but I've been talking to IT. Hopefully, we got some stuff sorted out. I, I, I don't know if there's pet Windows updates pending because I'm used to using a Mac. This computer for we use for the show is uh, an HP. So we'll, we'll see, but we're back for now and we're going to be talking to Roxy in a few minutes. So um, cross your fingers and everything you need to do. Yeah. Usually, usually it's, um, usually it's my computer. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's very true. Oh man. But the big news today, fans back in the ballpark, you know, it, it, I was wondering like, how is this, how is this going to play having fans in Arizona fans in Florida, and then teams are going to go back to their home States and there's going to be no fans. Like, how is that going to play? And now thankfully as California teams who make up a big part of major league baseball are going to be back in business. And boy, will it be weird if we're still talking about certain teams not having fans in the ballpark. I, I think the I mean, interest, the interesting one to me is Texas because remember the whole what's going on down there and their governor wants they're to have. They're going to be open for fans. They already told us that. Remember we had uh, – um, Evan Grant on from the Dallas Morning News, and he's like, oh, yeah, they're planning to have fans. Texas is always playing. Florida, they're, the Marlins and the Rays are going to have fans. I just like with Texas wanting to have 100% capacity is what the governor was saying. I'm curious to see how Major League Baseball, you know, how they work along with that. But uh, you're right. I, I want to see what team doesn't have fans when the season starts or who, who maybe won't. Because I think Pittsburgh and Philadelphia were talking about it, you know, having fans that I saw. Coming up here at the top of the hour, Jesse Rogers is going to join us from ESPN. He's in Chicago. And as of today, Cubs and White Sox have no plans of having fans in the stands. Illinois won't allow them. Well, now, I, you know, the old trickle-down effect? I wonder if everybody goes, wait a minute. The most locked-down state during COVID-19 was California. And if they opened up, how many state how many states are now going to follow this? Since California was 
I believe, I don't have the actual data because I don't know what every single state did, but it was perceived that we were the most locked up state. I mean, Los Angeles, there's certain areas. I, I can tell you recently been to, 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 to slow. I mean, they still want everybody to wear masks on the streets. So now with this news from the governor and his office opening up, you know, what's that going to do to L.A.? Are they going to now open up? So there's I'm talking about a trickle-down effect. It's going to affect a lot. Of, this is going to affect other states. It's going to affect counties in, the, in California. But more importantly, it affects us and gets us back in the ballpark, especially at a time when you have a ball club that's trying to win it all. And now the juice will be back in the ballpark. The juice will be back in the players. I'm not buying that players had bad years because there weren't fans there, but some feel that way. Well, now, at least when the A's are playing, I want, we, we're going to have to figure out, of the 30 teams, who's going to be able to be open and who's not. Well, I think we can. I think we can assume one so far, and that be the Toronto Blue Jays, as they're playing in Florida. It sounds like so. If we leave them aside, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who's not and who won't be, or who will. Is New York going to be open up? I mean, they had fans at they had fans at the Bills game for the NFL playoffs, and that stadium's outside, and that's a much bigger stadium than Yankee Stadium or uh, City Field. So, I mean, that is you, true, think, yeah. you would think you think Boston would have it, although because the Patriots didn't make the playoffs, sure, we wouldn't know if they had fans or not. But, yeah, I mean, I think some of those states will. I mean, New York is what, – with the Bills having fans, I think that's a good that, – that should be a good sign for, for ba- baseball fans in New York. But you, you never know how – every state's different. And we've talked about that so many times, how every state in the country is different run with the, regu- you know, the regulations and the rules they have. And then maybe more will come out now that California said all five teams will have fans, but we, we still won't know until we – you know, Twitter's a great source for that, but we won't know for a couple, probably for a couple weeks. I, and, and from the business standpoint, what's good about it is starting to get ticket revenue in. I mean, it's a business. I mean, we work for these businesses. We, you know, we need them to make money. <laughs> I mean, that's that's that they're they're in business to entertain and win games, but they're also in business to make money. And I think for the players, you want that too. I mean, you got a collective bargaining agreement coming up. The last thing you want is to be hearing these teams go, "Man, we went two years without having fans," and you know how much money that is. I remember when they, the Raiders mentioned they weren't going to have fans in Vegas. And they said that was going to cost the Raiders like $570 million or something like that. You need to get people in the seats. You need to get people in, in the suites. You need to get, get that going again. You need the parking revenue. You need to get that all going again. We all need it. I mean, the NFL, you know, whether you agreed with them or not, the NFL told you all along, we're playing a full season. We're a go. And I remember that first game we saw in Kansas City where there were fans. And next thing you know, you're turning on your television every single Sunday, and there's fans. And then you turn on SEC games down in the southeast, and there's fans. Notre Dame football, fans. Football showed we're playing. It's a go. And we're putting people in the stands. And now California is doing the same thing, and I hope that follows everyone 
uh, around the country to be able to go to baseball games. And one day that, and I will talk to Stephen Piscotti, I'm sure about this at some point, is that June 2nd is going to become Lou Gehrig Day and help raise awareness for ALS. Uh, Fortunately, Stephen lost his mother to ALS. But I think that's just another great move by Major League Baseball as it truly is one of the greatest speeches we have ever seen in our sport from one of the great players of all time, Lou Gehrig. I, I think that I, I think Cody, what they're doing, I think it's fabulous. I'm called Roxy, but I agree 100. Uh, percent I listened to Stephen's interview he did with the media yesterday. Uh, it was really, really good. Roxy Bernstein, how are you, my friend? Life is good, Uncle Tony. We've got ball games again on A's Cast. We're getting there. Yeah, and we're gonna end with the announcement today. We're gonna have fans in the stands. We uh, we're we're gonna get this thing going in California. It's great news. It is great news, and it's a welcome sight because, look, when we were at the ballpark last year, it was just bizarre, right? You look around, and there's nobody stands except a handful of media sitting. Box last year when we were at games, and when we were sitting at the top of you know the first level there, underneath the overhang at the concourse, um, it, it was it was some, it led to the bizarre stuff. Like one game. Chris, I'm sitting there, and I was in the uh, press area, you know, up above the first base dugout where the Astros were in town. I'm literally sitting there, and then who strolls like two rows in front of me and sits down? But Jose Altuve, during the middle of a game, you know, he was on the injured list, but he needed a place to come watch the game. So he, you know, meandered on through the concourse and sat down two rows in front of me. And then where else are you going to see it where a guy has to get up, you know, one of the bullpen guys have to get up and use the restroom in the middle of the game and they just walk up through the stands to go use the restroom of the concourse it's, i mean it's, it led to some bizarre sightings to say the least last year i don't remember the one team but i i want to say it was the astros where and i don't remember the player but there was a random player from an opposing team just roaming the stadium. He was just walking around the stadium, checking out the Coliseum. And he was, cause you know, these guys never go up into the outfield or they never see the, you know, you, the only thing you see is the clubhouse on the field of an opposing stadium. This guy was roaming the halls of the Coliseum. I mean, the only time you may see that Chris is like four or five hours before a game when a pitcher is looking to get his running in or one of the coaches just trying to get a workout in before they have to start their you know routine as far as, uh, BP and everything, and they're just running the stairs, right? They might run through different sections and, and just trying to get a workout in. And that's the only time you'll see something like that. But, again, it led to some just bizarre, unusual uh, sightings last year at games. And but thankfully, we're getting back toward normalcy. We'll have some fans in there as, as soon as opening day, and it's, I think, a welcome sight for everybody. And, look, nobody's happier about that than the players, right, that they'll have the fans back and the support of the home crowd. Now, uh, to what extent, we'll see. But I, I think that the players are as excited about that as anybody. No, no doubt about it. And they've seen it now in spring training. They're getting that juice back in the ballpark. 
And I don't even, you know, we had Seth Brown on earlier, Roxy. He hadn't heard about it. I don't even know how many of our players, you know, they're in their own worlds anyway, but I don't even know how many of our players even know that there's going to be fans in the stands now. I think they're so focused. Like you said, they're in their own world right now. And, and there is a, there is a pattern for them when they get to spring training and there is a regiment for them that they're just focused on what they have to do to get themselves ready for opening day. And unless, honestly, Chris, unless somebody talks about it to them, they're not going to know, I, I don't think. So unless, like, you brought it up to Seth Brown, I don't think he's going to know. And, we, look, we know how, for example, football coaches or basketball coaches are locked in during the course of the season. They have the tunnel vision. And if something is going on outside their cave, they have no clue. And I, I think right now the players are all about getting themselves ready. They have target dates along the way for stuff they want to accomplish to get themselves ready for opening day. And for us, you know, get a rowdy 11,000 in there and the Houston Astros coming to town. Oh boy. This for the first two series and you start talking Astros Dodgers. I don't care if it's just 11,000. I think it's going to be electric. It, it, it will. And can you imagine the excitement the fans are going to have when they're able to go back in finally and be able to, to get there and, and support the team and, and really rally behind the guys because that's what they've wanted to do. It had to be so frustrating last year for fans, and, and not just A's fans, but Chris, all around baseball and some special moments. And when the A's win a division title last year and they win a playoff series, there were no fans inside the Coliseum to enjoy it and take part in a celebration and just be ecstatic and go nuts like we know A's fans will do. But now they're going to have that opportunity. And, again, I think it's a welcome sight for all involved that we're going to have people back in the ballpark and we're getting closer to what we expect from a Major League Baseball game. And baseball is smart to honor its greats. And I love what they're doing now with June 2nd, honoring Lou Gehrig and bringing awareness to ALS. We know how much that has affected our organization with Stephen Piscotti. But to honor the great Lou Gehrig, who's truly one of the greatest players to have ever laced them up. And, and I think it takes over time, Chris. So we've seen baseball get better at some things, right, when they – introduced Jackie Robinson Day, and now there's going to be Lou Gehrig Day to honor awareness and, and try to help raise money to fight ALS. Um, on Father's Day, for example, uh, with all the prostate cancer awareness and a Mother's Day breast cancer awareness and all the efforts that teams are making over the years, and now we're seeing the league get involved also to make it across the board and not just, okay, the Oakland A's on this particular day will honor uh, and try to help raise awareness and raise funds to fight ALS. Major League Baseball is getting involved and everybody is taking part. And that's, you know, during the Bud Selig era, I think they missed out on some things. And say what you want about Rob Manfred and, and people have been critical of him for some of the decisions that he has made, but he's made some right moves too. And this is, a, I think, a, a, just a positive move for baseball to do something like this uh, to, to help fight what is a brutal disease, as we know firsthand. You know, you and I got to interview him at the wild card mm -hmm. game. We've had him on again a second time. I, I, I'm a fan of his. I think, you know, it's just, it, it's the 
get off my lawn. I don't want to change in, 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 I don't want any change in the sport crew. I mean, those are the people that don't like Manfred. But if you like change and trying to make the game better, how do you not like the guy? He's trying his best to make our game a better game. Double headers, which I wasn't necessarily in favor of, but he's making that effort. Uh, extra innings, starting a guy at second base. These are all decisions that are made under his watch. And then his ability to be able to, to change and call an audible on the fly and not just, okay, set in stone. For example, altering the playoff format last year and then having the DH in the National League last year but then going back to what we're used to seeing as far as the pitcher batting in the National League. Um, he's not afraid to experiment where Bud Selig just – he couldn't make a decision to save his life, right? He was afraid to do anything – that upset the apple cart. He just wanted to be status quo and let's just keep this thing going. Where Rob Manfred's willing to stick his neck out there, and I do applaud him. Now I might not agree with might not agree with all the decisions that he makes, and you may question some of them. But he what he's doing what he believes is in the best interest of the game and trying to advance the game and trying to capitalize and make it more exciting. Well, I'm on MLB.com right now, and I'm looking at the highlights of Shohei Otani, and we talked to Mark Gubazal, who you know real well, um, and talked about the, the smile he had on his face coming out. He's one of the most talented guys we've ever seen, Roxy, and I don't want to see him hurt. I know he's an angel, but I don't want to see him hurt. I, I, the sky's the limit for this kid. And look, he went out there, and he was blowing gas, right? And he was getting into the high 90s. And when we saw him pitch last year, Chris, you knew something wasn't right. And he just wasn't the same Shohei Otani we saw from 2019. And remember that game at the Coliseum where he just couldn't get out of the first inning? You knew something was wrong. The velocity was down. He didn't have the command. His breaking ball didn't have the fight that we're accustomed to seeing. He was not right. And it was clear that something was wrong with him. And we found out after the fact that he needed surgery. So, it, it, I think it's good for baseball, right? If Shohei Otani is back to being the pitcher slash hitter that we expect, because he's an attraction. He's a draw for Major League Baseball. And you don't want to see those kind of guys go down. You don't want to see anybody get hurt. But especially those kind of guys would make it more exciting and attractive for just the casual baseball fan, because we know the global interest that Otani has. And financially major league baseball can benefit in a big way if Shohei Otani is healthy but it, look there were some great sights like today like Matt Chapman playing third base again that brilliant play deep behind the bag and that was uh a, I think a sign to everybody that he's 100% ready to go uh Matt Olson hit bombs so far in, in spring training and long home runs like right now we're only you know a few games in we're getting some signs that everything is pointing in the right direction for the A's in terms of getting these guys going. And everybody loves the way AJ Puck looks. And isn't that great news? It, it is. And the reports that it was effortless, uh, the velocity was there, the zip was on his fastball. But again, the most important thing is it appears he's healthy. It's not forced because of the injuries that he has dealt with so far. And we'll see how the A's want to use them. And the A's don't need to rush anything right now because there is 
an abundance of pitching with all the arms that were brought in to help the bullpen. Guys like Rosenthal and bringing back uh, Yusmero Petit, signing Romo, the trade with the Dodgers to get Kalerik in. And I think it gives Bob Melvin, Scott Emerson, some options of what they want to do if they want to start A.J. Puck, if they want to use him out of the bullpen. I think there's plenty of time to figure that out, but you have to make sure he's 100% healthy. And by all reports so far, it does appear that he is good to go. All right, buddy. Great stuff. We'll talk to you next week. Look forward to it, brother. We're getting, and that means we're another week closer to opening day. Can't, I can't wait to hear you on ESPN. Let's go. Let's go. Do you know, do you know what your first game is? Game of the week? I, I believe opening day I'm doing the Mets and the Nationals. We're waiting for confirmation on that. Nothing says Mets Nationals like the Peninsula. <laughs> Live from National Park. I mean, <laughs> the 650. <laughs> All right, my man. Have a great weekend. See you, Chris. Coming up next, we're going to head to Chicago. Jesse Rogers works for ESPN, just like Roxy. And, uh, he he but by the time we taped this we knew about fans being back in the ballpark and when he told were you a little um shocked when he told us and you're gonna hear it coming up here that cubs and white Sox don't have plans to have fans in the stands a little bit yeah because of all the excitement around the white Sox this year now the cubs a little different because well we don't know what they're gonna be but yeah the, with the white Sox, how much excitement they are around them it's it is a little shocking but Vince did tell me there's an article out from USA Today that I'll, I'll, I'll send you what you can look at over the during the interview, uh, what each team plans to do seating capacity-wise uh, for opening day and stuff. So I'll, I'll send it over to you. It's from USA Today. By the way, you, you want a Cubs player? They may all be for sale. We'll talk about it next right here on A's Cast Live. Hi, this is Eduardo Perez from ESPN. When I'm in the Bay Area, I make sure I listen to A's Cast Live. Just to let you know, over the next couple days, we're going to have basically a full updated A's cast. We got a bunch of new A's unfiltered, um, the new Bob Melvin show. We're going to be pretty updated. Green and gold history, uh, the build with Dave Cavill. So over the weekend, uh, check out A's cast because we're going to be pretty much fully updated. And we're, we're in regular season mode. I can't wait to start doing the show again every single day and get back to Monday through Friday and get back to our regular times. I'm excited, Cody. Yeah, I mean, me too. I am I was really excited about today's show, and then, I don't know, computer issues and all that stuff. But, hey, cross our fingers. It's been a half an hour. We've been fine. Um, so I think we've solved the issue, and I think that's good. And uh, I'm looking forward to – I'm with you. I'm looking forward to going back to every single day. Uh, before games and after, just having baseball talk about all you know games that actually matter is what I'm looking excited. Is what I'm looking forward to talking about too. Well, something you're going to find out here, you're going to find out how Jesse feels about the A's, and you're also going to realize North Side, South Side, very, very different. A lot of people are happy with Tony Larusa as the White Sox new skipper. They think they're going to be very talented. And Chicago, the Cubs, the Northsiders, they may be going through a complete rebuild and a fire sale. Here is Jesse Rogers from ESPN. It's been a while. How have you been? 
I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I, I, I uh, did a week in Florida for spring training. I'm going to do a week in Arizona next. So um, it feels like baseball when you're at the park instead of zooming from home. So um, I, I like I like being at the park, and that's what I'll get to do next week. Yeah, I mean, Cody and I, we, we talk about it on the show all the time. The last game that we went to was the wild card game against Tampa. It's been well over a year just how does it feel to go to baseball games? What's it like down there in Florida? Yeah, well, I did get to go to games last year, obviously without fans, but and I did cover the World Series with fans, so that was nice. Um, it, it's still a little strange because your, the protocols prevent you from going places and, and talking to players for the most part one-on-one. Um, what's strange as a reporter covering uh, spring training is every team has different policies, and I mean – they are a wide range of policies. Policies. Um, some teams you can't get anywhere near practice and players. Other teams, like the Phillies, you're able to be up close and interview them and, and watch bullpens and all that stuff. So it, it's been a little strange just navigating the different policies and protocols for each team. And I expect the same when I go to Arizona next week. Yeah, I, it, 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 it's weird that there isn't just one set of rules. Yes. Um, but yes. but they they they. They're not traveling as much in Florida as they normally do. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. They're staying on the west side and they're staying on the east side. I did go to both. And so it was, you know, talking to, to personnel from both sides, they were very happy they didn't have to make that three-hour trip across the state. So that's the good news there. They'll keep it local. They'll get their 28 games in or whatever whatever the number is. And uh, it, it, it seems pretty safe these days. I mean, Florida's pretty open has been for a while, and, um, you know, I think Arizona's kind of headed in the right direction as well. Yeah, we're even opening up, and we, we've announced today that we're actually going to have fans in the ballpark, and I think that's going to be so good for so many people. And, and, and you, know, you know who's showing the most appreciation for fans? For us, it's been the players. I mean, they really understand how much the fans mean to them. Have you talked to guys about that? Oh, yeah, I mean – Javi Baez basically blames his, his 200 hitting season on the fact that he got no energy from the fans. Now I think some of it's a little overblown, but look, players going to use whatever they can to, to sort of, um, you know, feel good about themselves. And after last year, if you had a bad year, you could find plenty of reasons why it happened. Um, lack of fans, lack of in-game video, but in general, they all feel uh, the energy from the fans. And the other thing is the, the, uh, the ancillary thing is, that everybody hears everything and you're so used to yelling in the dugout and all that stuff. And just, you know, you just yell to yell, but nobody pays attention. Well, now everybody or last year, everybody was, you know, would look at you if you yelled something. So it's a very strange feeling to hear everything at a ballpark, I think for the players. So they just want to get back to the buzz. You know, that, that, that yeah, we asked them, well, how can they perform with, with the fans at 30,000 screaming? It's easy for them because it's just a buzz. It's just out. It's just background noise for them. It's, it, they don't hear anything. And, and now it was even harder or, or until now it was harder because they heard everything. So it's weird. You can perform maybe better with uh, 30,000 than you can with 30, you know, in front of you. So in the stands or whatever. So I think that's the, the whole thing. They're just so used to having that buzz in the background. It's just easier to perform. I know it's really, really early, but you know, we love Tony LaRussa. How has the start been for him with the Chicago White Sox? I think it's been great. And I had my doubts like everyone else, but I think it's been great. Um, I think he's taken the exact right tone. You would not know he's the third winningest manager of all time 
by the way he's talking and acting and everything. He did not come in here with an attitude or an ego, nothing like I know it all, nothing like that. He he is trying to earn the respect of these young players and certainly the, the, you know, re-earn the respect of Chicago because we had him first, right? Back in the early 80s, late 70s, actually. So um, he's been great. I like everything he's been saying. Uh, and, and the biggest thing, most importantly, is that he has not been um, sort of oozing this, uh, we got this sort of thing because we're the White Sox and we have all this talent. He's been stressing, you haven't won anything yet. And I think it's important because I think the fan base is really getting ahead of themselves after what happened in 2020. Um, I heard someone today talking about, oh, we want to run like um, – like the, the Chicago Blackhawks had three championships in five years. Like get one first, you know, get one first. It's hard to win a world series. Even if you're a good team, you guys know that over these last few years. So uh has been great. I think he's been perfect for this team, even though it, it didn't feel that way when they hired him. You know, we said on this program, you know, a lot of people forget this guy's managed some of the biggest egos that have ever been in the game. When you've managed Ricky Henderson, Jose Canseco, Dennis Eckersley, Dave Parker, I mean, and on and on from McGuire, Pujols. I mean, yep. he's he he is he's just had some of the biggest uh, egos in the game. So I I, I always thought Tony was going to do well. You know, going to the North Side, who are the Cubs going to be in twenty twenty one? Sellers, they're going to be a sellers. That's what they're going to be. They hope that teams line up. They're going to have fourteen or fifteen, something like that free agents at the end of this season that will make their opening day roster if all holds. That's a lot. That is a lot. That's tough uh, to navigate those waters as a manager if you're thinking you're going to win. Now, I'm sure David Ross is thinking he's going to win because that's how managers and people in uniform think. But the executives um, upstairs are, are, are thinking about 22, 2022, and 2023. They will be sellers, uh, barring something crazy. And that would be, you know, solidly in first place because you can't sell at that point. But if they're three games out, July 30th, they're selling. And they may even sell before that. They may sell early enough that it takes the drama out of it because if they're three games out on July 30th, fans go nuts if they sell. But if they move Chris Bryant on July 5th, well, you don't, you don't know where you're going to be July 30th on July 5th. So they're going to sell, and they're going to sell as early as they can unless something crazy happens where they just look like, you know, gangbusters out there, which they, they won't, they, they don't have the pitching depth to, to be a, you know, a 90 or hundred win team. You know, somebody's floated the idea out there that you, you trade Chris Bryant and then try and sign him back. And I think of the whole service manipulation. I, I got to, you tell me you're closer to it. If Chris Bryant leaves, is there any way he would come back? No, no. Now, I say that without knowing if the Cubs open the vault, okay, but that, there's no plan in place for that to happen. I mean, uh, if they trade him, he's going to be uh, – he's going to look at the 29 other teams, and I don't know. I mean, there's, there's no plan where they trade him and then bring him back. Nothing like that is in, is in, is, is in place. So that would be the shocker of all shockers. Um, I don't think that's going to happen with any of their free agents. They're going to trade him and let him go. The guys they, they want to keep, they're going to re-sign now or soon. Um, that's what they prefer. They don't want to compete with 29 other teams. If they like a guy, you would get him now. Um, if you trade Chris Bryant on July 30th, you're not getting a grade A prospect for two months. You're just not. And so uh, if your plan is to re-sign him, you're taking a big chance by letting him go. 
Um, so I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, that would be uh, that would be the biggest shock of the season for me if they if they traded him and then re-signed him. You know, a, a, a lot of things right now are not going the owner's way, and especially what happened in Seattle. Uh, but you start looking around the CBA, and if you're the players' union, you're looking at Chicago doesn't want to be big spenders, Boston, San Francisco. I mean, some big market teams are just not trying. Wouldn't you say that's just a bad look for Major League Baseball and, and, and owners? Well, we've been saying that for years now. I mean, the biggest gripe players have, the number one biggest gripe is exactly that. There's way too many teams in these rebuilding modes. And, yes, when they come out of the rebuild, they're ready to spend. But that happens, what, once every five years for these teams, right? And then maybe they spend for two or three years in a row, and then they go backwards. Um, but during that cycle, there's about, I don't know, about 15 teams that are, are at the bottom of that cycle or or in the middle of it. So they're not spending. That's the biggest gripe, this whole idea that not every team is trying every season. I don't know how they're going to address it in the CBA, but they're certainly going to try to. And uh, that'll be the number one thing. And then everything will play off of that. You know, looking out West here, uh, evaluate how you saw the A's off season. And then with like a week and a half before spring training, a flurry of moves where they fill most of their holes. So what were your thoughts about the A's early in the offseason and where they are now? Well, my feeling is that anybody that, that only did things late did it for two reasons. One, they wanted to wait out the market and, and let these free agents sweat, 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 and then sign them at a, at a cheaper deal or for a minor league invite. The other reason is, and I've seen this with several teams, is that um, they didn't know their budgets. Um, they didn't care to know their budgets until late uh, or as late as possible because they didn't know about fans in the stands. They didn't know about corporate sponsorships. They didn't know if they're going to play 162. So they waited it all out. I don't know which category Oakland falls in, maybe both. Um, but it was kind of a quiet off season. Uh, you know, I, I think that division's a little down when in some ways it, there's, there's parity there, right? I mean, I, I you know, the Angels are still nothing special. Houston's taken a little dip. They certainly did in the, in the regular season last year. I, I mean, I still like the A's, but they didn't get considerably better, right? Um, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, you know, who exactly is the world beaters out there, but um, it seems like the powerhouse teams are now lined up in the National League. Uh, you know, the Yankees might be. The Yankees certainly might be. The Central Division is kind of still finding, you know, who's the best team. The White Sox certainly are going to be there. Cleveland is depleted a little bit. So the A's, you know, might be as good as anybody just because nobody really got considerably better. So, I, I mean, I, I like that A's team, but it's not like they, they went hog wild. Um, they certainly addressed some needs late, though. I will, I will say that. They certainly addressed some needs, Nate, some, some, some needs late. Um, and we'll see if it pays off. I know Mitch Moreland was a guy waiting out, for example, uh, the National League DH situation. That didn't come fruition. So he kind of you know, comes to Oakland with his tail between his legs a little bit. Um, there's a few guys that might have a chip on their shoulder that, that came in late that, that'll be interesting to watch. Um, you know, you trade Liam Hendricks for Trevor Rosenthal, basically. That's not an advancement, right? Um, you know, Romo, Pettit, I, I, I like these deals, uh, but I don't love them. I don't love them. But in that division with that team and, and the way things have gone, I, I still think Oakland's a force. I, I, don't, I don't deny that at all. Yeah, I, I, at some point... I think every team is going to have fans back. And let's end on this. How do you think that will finally 
how will that finally get to the Houston Astros now that the fans will be back in the stands? How do you see that playing out? I, I, I see it playing out like this. Fans have long memories, and they, they're always looking for, for some reason to boo or get on the opponent. And this is not five years later. This is one year later. So I, I think it's, it's going to certainly be hurt in those NL West play, AL, AL West places, sorry, like Oakland, certainly when, you know, the Dodgers, you know, that whole thing. Absolutely, they're going to hear it. Absolutely. Will it be in every park like it would have been if, if we had a full seat? Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe, it'll, you know, some fan bases, eh, okay, whatever. Um, but I, I think some of the, those AOS ones will certainly remember, and, and they will hear it. They will hear it. Now, they're only going to hear it from, you know, uh, 10,000 instead of 30,000. But as we were saying before, you can, sometimes you can hear more with less people in there. So um, that fan that's in the outfield and he's the only guy in that section, you're going to hear him if you're the Astros bullpen. So I think they're going to hear it. It'll be interesting to see, though, and hear the, 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 the reduced crowds that give it to him. But, you know, fans don't need a lot to, to boo the opponent, and they certainly have not been able to do that with, with the Astros yet. We always appreciate the time. Great stuff. And, and enjoy Arizona. Thank you. Take care. Talk to you soon. He's good. And I... I... I've been looking at the Cubs roster. Cody, did you realize how bad some of their batting averages were last year? Well, who do you want to start with first? Uh, Chris Bryant? Uh, Javier uh, Baez? R- R- Rizzo hit two twenty-two. He hit leadoff the other day for the Cubs in their spring training game I was watching against the uh, Mariners. Bryant hit two oh six, and Javi Baez hit two oh three. But that's because the fans weren't there. I'm just saying this. If you if you if you said the three players that you're looking at, I mean Chris Bryant's in his prime. If he's for sale, how old is Javi Baez? Uh, Baez will be. Last year he was 27, so he'll be going to his age 28 season. Yeah, Rizzo's 31, so he's a little bit older. I would take Anthony Rizzo in a second. Yeah, he's under. I think he's under a team friendly deal, if I'm not mistaken. Let me pull up. I'm on his page right now. Let's see what his his contract is. His contract is so he's a he's actually a free agent after this year too. He's making sixteen and a half this year, and then he's a free agent in 2022. Wow! So all three of these guys are free agents. And uh, and so is Jock Peterson, who they brought into the for a one year deal, and so is um, Jake Arrieta, who they brought back for one year. So you got five guys right there who could all be potentially traded at the deadline, and then. Wilson Contreras is a guy that keeps getting his name thrown around as someone that could get traded. Well, I'm just thinking as an executive, you know, if, if it's a renter, rent a player situation because they're all free agents at the end of the year, that means I don't have to give as much up for them. Wink, wink. I was listening to Jesse and Buster talk about this yesterday on Buster's podcast, and they were talking about just all the stuff because Buster thinks the Cubs are going to be, you know, they're going to be sellers for sure in the summer and how that's how the the, the trade evaluations are going to go because of the minor league season not starting until, you know, not starting until May now. Are they, could they do deals like the Red Sox did where they look, they uh, ask for players to be named later so they can get more uh, video and, so, and more analysis on them because the season's starting late because we had no minor league season last year. But you're right. Like those are the guys that those are going to be the biggest names probably on the market this year, if not for Trevor Story potentially too with the Rockies. Well, they run in the they they 
run into the potential issue. What if they play well? What if they hit? I mean, that's where I think Jesse's point was, maybe get rid of these guys earlier. Get rid of them like now. (laughs) I hope they have a good spring and get rid of them now. Because if they're winning, it's going to be tough to get rid of them later on. But there's going to be people lining up for these guys. Somebody in contention is going to have some injuries, and that's a third baseman, a shortstop, and a first baseman, all with playoff experience, championship rings. You're, you trying to tell me you wouldn't take Chris Bryant for, for a stretch? The nice thing with him, too, is he can play multiple positions. You can play him in third. You can play him in the outfield. Or he played left for them. But still, you can have him play third or left, depending on what team – you know, what team you want to trade him to. Like, the, he's constantly been linked to the Mets. And I still think that could be a deal that happens eventually that the Mets get him. But it all depends on what the Mets want to give up for him because Sandy's been pretty outspoken about not wanting to give up any of their top prospects. So we'll, we'll see what they But I could definitely see him going to, like, the Mets. Or if you, I'm trying to look at another team that needs a third. But San Diego doesn't. Uh, the Dodgers don't. Well, the Dodgers maybe. But then what do you do with Turner? Play him at second base. Let's see, there you go. Because you mentioned you mentioned the other day about you think Bryant's gonna go to LA because he's from Vegas and he played and we mentioned he played college ball at San Diego. Yeah, and and if anybody's gonna need a third baseman, as you just mentioned, Manny Machado's going into year three of a ten million dollar deal. Rendon signed a long year deal with the Angels, so if he wants to get back to Southern California, the only team available. The Los Angeles Dodgers, who have actually talked about moving Turner to second base in the past and make room for a guy in his prime to play third base. I mean, it makes sense. I I think the deal would happen even quicker if there was a universal DH because then you could put Turner at the universal DH and then you can throw Bryant right in at third base immediately and not even have that conversation about playing Turner at second if you don't need to. Well, I'll tell you next week when we talk to David Forrest, Remind me to ask him, like, how do you evaluate your minor league guys that weren't at the alternate site who haven't played in well over a year? What do you do? Like, you don't even know, you know, forget about talking about another organization's players. You don't even know what your players have been doing. These are young men. I'm sure they're working out, but you don't know what they're going to come back and be like. And you're not going to see them... When are they showing up? Uh, what, the minor league season is not supposed to start till May? Like, they're all three levels are start in May now. So if you're not a guy on the taxi squad that gets to travel with the four or five guys on the taxi squad that travels or you're not at the alt site, whatever that's set up, then what are you, you're essentially sitting around for another month or two. Man, these guys haven't played in so long. I feel so bad for them. But they just, they haven't played. They haven't had that in-game action. A lot can happen to somebody in over a year. So that's your guys. Now you're going to go make trades with guys you have no, I mean, you you don't know what they've been doing. How, 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 How do you know what a minor league player that wasn't at the alternate site, what they've been doing? How many guys... Had to get a job. 
How many guys, they don't have the same skill. And you're going off scouting reports from almost a year and a half ago, and that's how you're going to do deals? It's Let's a, see what David has to say. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a delicate balance. And actually, as we tease towards Monday, we can ask. We're talking to Sandy Alderson on Monday. We could uh, Sandy can answer this too. And you know, obviously, his you know he's been around forever, so he can talk about how scouting was before and is now. But he be he's in a situation where he's on a team that wants to contend. And how is he gonna? He doesn't even know what guys are in the minor league system on his team because he's new. So how's he gonna be able to evaluate these guys? So. It's it's really tricky. That's why when I heard Buster and Jesse Rogers talking about that on the Baseball Tonight podcast, it was fascinating to hear them talk about how could they go the same route that the Red Sox did with uh, players we named later because then you know, you know, you get to see some more uh, evaluations of them playing throughout the season and then you can be like, hey, I want that guy. You know, because Buddy Reed was the player we named later in the uh, Jerkson Profar trade. It's not, well, it's not like the A's held out to wait for him, but that's just the guy they, they, they asked for. I can see teams starting to do that now because the minor league season starting late again or starting late and not having a season last year. We've got to we've got to protect these kids too because, you know, this is a whole they're not flying around in jets. They're not flying they're not flying around in private planes. They're not staying at the Ritz Carlton of the four seasons. These guys are riding buses with each other for long rides. Like, I just wonder, you know, we don't think about them because all we care about right now is just getting the big leaguers going again. But baseball protocol, jamming a bunch of guys in a bus and riding around for five, four hours to the next stop, I, you know, I don't think the CDC would be approving of that. It just sounds brutal, to be honest. Um and you want to see them get back out there and playing because you want to see these guys develop and, you know, so you can see what your farm system looks like. And I did find it uh, when we were talking about, I'm going way back, uh, the Giants do have a higher-ranked farm system, according to ES, Kylie McDaniel of ESPN, than the Dodgers. But we were talking about that. But, yeah, I want to see these guys get back out there and, and developing talent because they're the potential next wave of your organization, no matter what organization you are. If you're a team like the A's who's contending now and you have the future building in your minors or your team like – Baltimore, who's been building for years, coming to see if they're able to win now. So uh, getting the minor leaguers back is going to be great. That means we can go check out a game potentially in, at Municipal Stadium to watch the San Jose Giants play because they're right here when Stockton comes to town. I, I'm really glad they're getting back out there. It's just it's, it's, it's going to be good for everyone. San Jose Muni, for you A's fans, also home of the San Jose State Spartans. When Stockton comes to town and you want to see your farm guys, Come down to San Jose Muni. They have a great barbecue, if that's even going to be open. But whenever whenever it does open back up, the barbecue's worth going to. Then you get to see a little minor league baseball. But they do a great job with their barbecue. I mean, it smells so good. Well, and you also uh, have the don't the, hey don't sleep on the beer batter either at those games. I mean, oh the the beer batter is the best. Guy strikes out. It's half off beers. The best is if you luck out and you're already in line for the beer and the guy strikes out, then yeah. you then you don't have to worry waiting in those long lines. Uh, and they play roll out the barrel. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then you'll see grown men literally pushing women and children away <laughs> so they can get down there and get their half-off beer. It's, uh, it's a hilarious sight. Coming up next, speaking of the minor leagues, Dominic Catronio is going to join us. I wonder what, because he works in the Astros organization. He's going to be doing games for us in Arizona. I wonder what they've told the broadcasters. 
You know, what have they told the minor league players? What do we, what, I don't even know. We'll find out next right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, rumor has it on the streets of Gilbert, Arizona, that Dominic has got his golf game back because he's been playing a lot of golf. Dad hasn't gotten it back, but uh, Dad was saying, uh, you're playing pretty well during the pandemic. Uh, I got a chance to tee it up a little bit, I guess. Uh, it helps to work at a golf course in the, this minor league grind of the pause of this extended off season, of course. But yeah, I, I got it down to scratch again. But no, nah, we're working on Dad's swing. He's got a new driver. He's feeling good. New hybrid on the way. Uh, you know, it, it's it's been good. It's been good to get out and outdoors. You know, I'm very grateful to have golf this this 2020 2021 year. Well, you know, I, 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 we're going to talk about some tough stuff with minor league baseball, but the, the good news is you're back on the air with us on Monday, and we're going to have every spring training game for you right here on A's Cast. And I think you got to be excited. I, I know you've been doing the college stuff, but I think you got to be excited. Just get back in the booth and get it going. Dude, it's huge. Like, I mean, I, I did some college games last Monday out in Surprise. Um, and just knocking the rust off of that was epic. I mean, I, I was so excited, so happy. You know, I didn't care that it would wake up at 6 in the morning to drive a surprise from Gilbert. And Arizonans and folks who know the Cactus League know what that drive is. So uh, I was stoked. It was amazing. Uh, I'm just so honored and so, so grateful that the A's trust me to, to come on back and, and do some games, given, given the absence I've had from the booth. It's, it's, and I'm really looking forward to it, man. And I'm glad you mentioned college baseball. I was so excited uh, to hear that college baseball was going again because, I mean, too many of these kids, whether it's amateurs, whether it's pros, have lost over a year of their careers. It is sad. And that's boys and girls sports. You think about basketball and softball and volleyball. All these kids have lost years of their career, and it just it, it hurts. It's really hurting too for the kids that don't go pro. You know, it's, yeah. I mean, you look at softball, right? I mean, you've got national fast pitch, but like most of these kids, they choose these schools because of the program or because of their teammates, and you take that away from them last year, and you know, everything changes in the blink of an eye, and you just always got to be grateful for any moment. And I'm certainly going to be grateful for whatever games I get to do this year. You know, I think about my kids who become actresses. That's been shut down for so long, and they have no idea when they're going to do something. It's just, uh, it's really, really tough. Now, I was just thinking about this. You know, everything that we talk about is about the big club, right? It's, But thinking about minor league baseball, how different the travel is, how different the accommodations. Have you heard any, because you work for the Astros, your regular gig. Have you heard anything about minor league baseball? What, what can you tell us? It's, it's basically just kind of whispers and, hey, what's your team doing? What are they doing? What's AAA doing? What's AA doing? Uh, the AAA memo blindsided everybody last week. I mean, I, I have a few friends in, in AAA, and they said, yeah, our GMs didn't even know. When, when, when Passon broke that story that they were getting pushed back a month, it was just kind of, you know, throw all the papers in, in the trash or, of what you were planning for April and, you know, two homestands down the drain pretty much. But uh, it, it's nothing firm. You know, it, it's really going to depend city to city kind of like Jesse was talking about with, you know, city to city for, you know, protocols for media. It's going to be the same protocols for, for the minor leaguers too, in that most of us are not anticipating field access or travel or clubhouse access. So 
I mean, that's three huge parts of the job, especially in the minors. Um, as far as travel goes for the players, they're still bussing it, man. They're still going to be bussing. Double uh, uh, A, especially in my league, the Texas League, we bus it, and Corpus Christi has the uh, the worst travel in all of minor league baseball. Uh, so they still got to bus it. it. It's no change as far as what's expected in 2021. You know, you, you can tell me, ah, oh, these guys are working out. It's just not playing in games is going to hurt your career. I'm sure you're friends with some of these guys. What's the talk been like since these guys are we're, we're going to be sniffing? They've been out of action for almost a year and a half. I think there is going to be a lot of rust in the first month of the year there in May. Um, hopefully they knock off a lot of it in spring training. But that's kind of what a lot of these guys have been doing anyway in the alternate side. You know, when you talk about AAA or guys that were invited to instruct last year, they've been seeing the same colors. You know, they've been seeing their guys. And when they finally get a chance to get into a routine of, all right, first pitch is at 6 o'clock tonight. Batting practice is at 3.30. We've got cages at 1.30, early work on the field at 2.30. Like getting a routine again, not just wake up, gym, hit, and go play Call of Duty. You know, it's, it, 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 they finally going to have something to do. And I think there's going to be an adjustment period of routines for these guys. But as far as guys I've talked to, they've been in as much of the dark as a lot of us, you know, on, on media or on bands or whatever. Like, nobody knows. It was just, it was for a while there in January and February, I was chatting with a few buddies and they were saying like, yeah, I mean, I know, you know, pitchers and catchers report next week, but I don't even know if, uh, what minor league pitcher is doing, you know? So, and it, it, that's true for a lot of teams. Some teams I'm sure have been better at communicating, but most of the guys I talked to were left pretty much in the dark until everything was announced. Yeah. I mean, you can understand how the sport is just trying to figure out how to get major league baseball players back playing. Cause that's the cash cow, but oh, we're used to that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We, we know we're, we're, we're back at the bus, you know, we're, we're waiting in line, but, but to still to have all of these young men have no idea about their future. It's just, it just doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem like a very good business model. And then again, though, maybe New York, maybe the commissioner's office, they don't know. Maybe, maybe they don't even have the answers. It, it's, that's a fair point. But in, in their defense, too, you got to figure out what to do for 120 different cities. You know, that's, that's a lot harder than 30. Um, and especially 30 with established relationships, whereas with the renovation, or I should say, you know, realignments and the new era that we're entering into for minor league baseball this year, there's a lot of unknowns, even if it wasn't a pandemic happening. You know, hell, even the names of the leagues are different. It's not called the Texas League anymore. It's Double A Central. I'm still always going to call it the Texas League. But, it, I mean, there are so many little things still to figure out, pandemic aside. I, I think that's where I kind of give them the benefit of the doubt on all this. I remember Arizona was really struggling with COVID. Has, has it gotten a lot better? It's gotten better. Uh, today, the governor announced that uh, – restaurants bars can go back to full capacity if they so wish but mask mandates are still in place distancing mandates are still they're easing into it as opposed to what texas did last week i'm not a politician i'm not also a uh you know i'm not a scientist either but uh, i think uh, what arizona's doing understanding there are people here in the state tourists here for spring training here for golf here for whatever they're easing into it and uh, understanding that summer is coming for us which is when the spike really hit arizona because we're flipped from everybody, right? Everybody went inside during the wintertime in the cold cities and the New Yorks and the, and the Chicago's and everyone. We all go inside during the summertime because it's 115 freaking degrees outside. So uh, that's where I think it all comes in. So I, I think we're getting better. We can see the light at the end of the tunnel. 
Uh, here, vaccinations started at 55 and up, so things, things are looking good here in the Grand Canyon State. Well, I can't wait to hear it on Monday, just hearing baseball back on A's cast and, and going to hear it on, on 960 a.m. here in the Bay Area and 1140 in Sacramento. It's just good. It's a wonderful distraction. So I can't wait to hear you. Good luck on Monday and the rest of spring. Thanks, Tony. Can't wait. Can't wait to hear from all the A's fans this year. And I'm so, so grateful to be back in the green and gold, baby. Let's go A's. And I can't wait for you to give me so many strokes. It's going to be great. <laughs> I'll give you probably six aside. I mean, scratch. So what, what have I got to give you, man? We're, t- we're tipping it out, too, by the way. All right. We're going all the way back with the big boys play. Oh, my God. I joined Cinnabar Hills in my game. But some days it's better and some days it's like, what am I doing? <laughs> we can work on that. Thanks, Tony. Thanks for having me. See you, buddy. Yeah, so we're going to have every game on from here on out. So you'll get it tomorrow. You'll get it Sunday. I think that will be is, – is Korak finally doing a game this weekend? So we're going to talk to Ken on Monday. Ken's back on Wednesday on the broadcast. Uh, when, so it's going to be Vince and uh, the great Ray Fossey. Yes, Ray Fossey on Sunday against the Cleveland Indians. He keeps uh, – Ray said they're not the Indians anymore. I thought they were going by the Indians this year, then changing for next year. But Ray's former team where he's in the, uh, the, the Hall of Fame will be in town in Arizona on Sunday. So that'll be a lot of fun to hear Ray call the game against his uh, old team. That is a really interesting question. I thought they were the Indians too. Yeah, he kept saying the Cleveland, he kept saying like they're not the Indians this year anymore. And I was like, well, I thought that the rumor was they were going to be the team still this year. And then 2022, they're going to pick a new name. Let me ask you a question. What does their website say? I haven't been on the and website. I'm on it right now. Are they the Cleveland? In- I, don't know. I don't know. Are they? Cle- who are they? Who are these Somebody's- guys? Uh, here, I'm looking on the. I'll look on the MLB. Indians.com. Yeah, presented look- by Cleveland Clinic. Indians.com. They're still the Indians. I'm looking on MLB at bat right now, and they are still considered the Indians on here too. They beat the Cubs 10-4 today, as you can see. Indians 10, Cubs 4. So they still have them as the Indians on there. But Ray getting to call the game against his old team, and then um, I close the schedule. But I I could tell you who Ken's on the call against on Wednesday. I think it's I, oh it's the Brewers. The Brewers are so you got Ken Korak on one end, and maybe Bob Bucher on the away broadcast if he travels over over to uh, Mesa. I'm telling you, Ray's a big deal in Cleveland. I've been there with him. I mean, he's one of the great Indians of all time. Heritage Park. He's got his plaque. Dwayne Kuyper's got a plaque. It's right. It's it's really close to Ray. Dwayne Kuyper and his one career home run. I think I've asked that you. Correct. I think I've asked you who did he hit the home run off of. Give you a clue. Fellow broadcaster on TV in Major League Baseball. Who was it against? I've seen the highlight a million times, but I can't remember who was it against. I have to look to see what team he was playing for at the time. Um, but I'll tell you the team that he called. He broadcast games for. They're not on the north side, but they're on the south side. Steve Stone? Steve Stone. That's the, only, that's the guy who he hit his only home run off of was Steve Stone. And isn't, isn't, isn't Ray's story that he was up in the clubhouse going to the bathroom so he didn't even see it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It was August. So this- I think it was August 29th. August 29th, 1977. Yeah. 
what it was. Hey, so at, at before Indy, you, you know how everybody plays the the video, pump people up, and they show your team's history before the players take the field. In that video is Eckersley throwing the no hitter, getting the final out, and him and Ray coming together. That's played before every single Indians game. I bet you didn't know that. I mean, it's a pretty big deal. I'm not going to lie to have Ray in there. How come he's not in the video for the A's? He should be in the video for the A's, too. He's in a bunch of videos, but I don't think we know. I don't even. I haven't been to a game in over a year. I don't even know what we do anymore. (laughs) I know I got my parking pass. Sorry. That's that's all I know. Now I'm on like a, I'm on Dwayne Kuyper's baseball reference page and just looking at his numbers. One career homer, 263 career RBIs. 52 career stolen bases. He was thrown out 71 times trying to steal bases. Uh, 271 career average and OPS plus of 82. Um, I, I love Dwayne Dwayne Kuyper on the on TV, but it's below average there. Kuyper, uh, 82 is below average. You were a below average major leaguer when it comes to OPS plus. Oh wow! Shots fired. Because <laughs> Dwayne I... Kuyper, that was Cody Elias. I had nothing <laughs> to do with that. I love you to death. The Kuyper family, G Kuyper, D Kuyper. Uh, I had nothing to do with that. You played, what, 10 years? What did he play, 10, 11 years in the big leagues? He was in the big leagues for 12 years. 12 years. That's a big deal. That's full pension. Yeah, and I mean, I'm, not, I'm not taking the – I mean, the, the, he had yes, a lot of – you, 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 you took shots at Dwayne Kuyper, and no one better say on Twitter that at Townsend Radio did it. That was <laughs> Cody – I said nothing against the great Dwayne Kuyper. You were asking the other day how old Kuyper uh, is. He's going to be 71 this year in June. So. Yeah, the Giants, Giants broadcast team. Yeah, there's a lot, you know. I mean, they're I all. Say, isn't John, John Miller's either like 69 or 70? Yeah, he's all right. I think he's closing in on 70. And then you have Flem. I think Flem's like around yours and, and uh, Roxy's age, right? Flem somewhere in there. Oh, he, he's. he's so Roxy and I are the same age. He's younger than we are. Okay, so yeah, he's in his. He might be Way younger than we are. Okay, so he's probably in his uh, early forties. So, off. I can't tell. I, you know what? Technically, since we're not governed by the FCC, I could tell this story, but I don't think the A's would like me to tell this story. Yeah, we would. Need, we would need a podcast for you to tell that story. Dwayne Kuyper told me something right before I got married. And it was hilarious. It was hilarious. I'm literally getting married like like right after he told me this. And I've always told the story to people that that know. And I've told G. Kipe about it. It's it's pretty funny. But the Kuiper family, I mean, they're just they're the nicest. They're that mid, upper Midwest, Wisconsin. Dwayne Kuiper grew up on a farm. I mean, they're just humble, honest people. They're they're good people. I don't think Glenn grew up on the farm, though. I think the farm might have been gone by then. or, But, yeah, Dwayne Kuyper and his brother grew up on the farm. Because the other brother I'm talking about is the one that uh, does television for NBC. He's one of the directors, I believe. Those guys grew up on a fa- working on a farm. That's a little different from growing up in Pittsburgh. Uh, well, I mean, there's a lot of farms there, too, but I grew up in the uh... – I mean, I guess I grew up in the urban areas of Pittsburgh, not the. You didn't grow up with the Amish in yeah, Pennsylvania. Yeah, I didn't, stop it. I didn't grow up in rural Pennsylvania, out in uh, out in Lancaster, where the the, Am- the Amish are, or where the Mennonites are. I, I grew up where we use electricity, and I didn't have to wake up at five a.m. to churn butter. 
Yeah. I mean, I grew up on the mean streets of San Diego. Let me tell you, flip-flops, fish tacos, and sunburns, man, it was rough. <laughs> Sounds like it. It was really, really rough. I don't know how you made right, it. You I don't know huh? how you made it. I don't know how you made it this far. Seriously. Driving a Volkswagen bug, going to the beach all the time. It was a it was a nasty lifestyle, my man. Playing golf, playing baseball. I don't know how I survived. Now I'm having to deal with the mean streets of San Jose. <laughs> no, no, don't claim don't claim San Jose. You live in Willow Glen. I, I live in Willow Glen. I live on. I've I've, I've essentially. You know what's funny? It's like people all the time will be like, "Oh yeah, you're from San Diego." I'm like, I've lived here my entire adult life. Yeah, you're. I haven't. I haven't lived in San Diego since what ninety? Ninety one. It's about 30 I mean, minutes. I, I, I've been in San Jose the whole time. I mean, this is home. I mean, this is. And then my other home's Oakland. I mean, the two places I hang out the most are San Jose and Oakland. Especially, remember, I was I was covering all three. I was covering Raiders, Warriors, and A's. You know how much I was at the Coliseum for years? When I did every Raider game, I did almost every A's game, and I did all the Monday through Friday Warrior games. You know, a lot of people forget I did Warriors. You know that, right? I led them to two championships, me and Steph Curry. Well, well they won three, though. I know. The first one was oh, on KBO. Oh, that's true. That's, I forgot. That's my mistake. Although, yeah. when we when we were working in that in the industry, we covered the Warriors like we were the flagship station. Uh, correct. <laughs> um. Hey, and remember, I got out. They haven't been the same since I left. Just saying. Joe Lacob, just saying. Well, hey, they're 19 and 18 heading into the All-Star break, okay? Oh. They're the ninth seed in the West from what I've read. Ninth seed. I I remember doing those post-game shows, and people thought they would never lose again. It just shows you how quick it starts and how quick you lose it. And the one thing that they always really had in their favor was health. They didn't have major injuries, and then all of that changed. And, oh, by the way, a guy named Kevin Durant showed up and kind of changed everything, too. All right, let's get to buying or selling. It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. Hey, uh, buying or selling? It's miserable to be a minor league baseball player right now. Oh, buying, because you don't uh, know what's what your what your life's going to be like for the next few months. I completely buy. I, th- I thought you were going to ask me buying or selling the Warriors make the playoffs. And I'm going to say sell, sell. So, well, uh, but anyway, uh, we'll, I'm going to bring bring this one up again, even though we talked a little bit earlier. Uh, one of the most interesting teams to watch heading into the season is uh, the the Northsiders, the Cubs. They won the NL Central in 2020 under first-year manager and your good friend, David Ross, a.k.a. Ross. Rossi. But they lost to my Marlins in the first round of the playoffs last year. And then this offseason, they dumped, broke up with Kyle Schwarber and traded you Darvish away. And they've been rumored to want to move on from Chris Bryant, among others. And Jed Hoyer now runs a team, and Theo Epstein walked away to pursue other things, and now he works for Major League Baseball. But does this mean that they will have a massive sell-off before the deadline? I was listening to Buster's podcast, and he believes they will. But how does the delayed minor league season affect their moves? Buster believes the Cubs could do what the Red Sox did in the Ben Nintendi trade and look for players we named later after they get to see some of the guys play, which isn't a bad idea. Now, some of the guys that could be moved, 
Jock Peterson, Chris Bryant, Jake Arietta, Javier Baez, Anthony Rizzo, Wilson Contreras, to name a few. Buying or selling, the Cubs will have a massive sell-off by the trade deadline. Oh, I'm full on buying. And I actually know a guy who is a Cubs season ticket holder, and he's furious. You know how much money they've been printing in Chicago? They've got it's it's like the Giants deal. Some of these teams are cash rich. Red Sox, Cubs, Giants. They have no they have no business being in re- rebuild mode. No business. And it's sad. And when you have big market teams who are charging a lot of money for their tickets, not really trying. Now, once again, the players are trying. It's the front offices that are not trying. I can't imagine. I mean, can you? I mean, Wrigley Field's not cheap. Fenway Park, Fenway's got, I believe, to this day, they're still the highest average ticket in Major League Baseball. It's a lot of money to go to the Red Sox games. Take a family of four to a Red Sox game, and, and they're not trying? It just it stinks. Yeah, no, I agree. And I wanted to ask you this because I was watching something last night on Netflix, and the guy was talking about the, something going on, and he mentioned, he goes, it was like being around Michael Jordan or, or, or Brett Favre or, or Ryan Sandberg. And I'm thinking, like, Ryan Sandberg? That's the first Cub you think of? Of all the Cubs that played in Chicago, you think of Ryan Sandberg? Nothing to take away from the Hall of Famer. But Ernie Banks? I mean, come on. That's the first guy I think of. Um, uh, what's the guy? The, Fergie Jenkins is another great Cub. How you're not thinking about him? Buying or selling Ryan Sandberg is the first Cub you think of. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I don't think it'd be uh, Ryan Sandberg. I, I, I'm uh, I, I'm selling that. I don't. If you said greatest Cub, I mean, come on. Let's play two. Ernie Banks. What are we talking about here? I might even go Mark Grace. So that's a good pull. Sammy Sosa. What about Harry Carey? Hey, hey, remember when Sammy Sosa was the only guy that keeps hitting 60-plus home runs a year and how he was celebrated, and now he's not even allowed back? Yeah. Yeah, that's Harry Carey, for God's sakes. Yeah, Harry Carey would be the guy. Uh, well, if you think of players, I think of Ernie Banks, Sammy Sosa, Hell. Chris Bryan or Anthony Rizzo. Not, I mean, not Ryan Sandberg. I, I think people of your generation would always think of Sosa because he had all those home runs when you guys were kids. Exactly. Or Kerry Wood or Mark Pryor. Like, well, they weren't great. I mean, Kerry Wood was more of a great Cub than Mark Pryor was, obviously. But uh, when I think of the Cubs, I do not think of Ryan. I, the last time I saw Ryan Sandberg, he was managing the, the loser Phillies. So that's the last thing I remember Ryan Sandberg from. So uh, it was just a little weird, and I'm glad I was able to – I remember that right forward as we were talking with the Cubs. But – Speaking of the NL Central, the Brewers are an interesting team also this year because the NL Central stinks. They signed Colton Wong, who is a great defensive second baseman. But the other day, and you know who broke the story, was our good friend Julian McWilliams from the Globe, that they've added Jackie Bradley Jr. to a two-year deal for $24 million with an opt-out after year one to play in their outfield. Now, they also have Lorenzo. He's signed with who? The Brew Crew, baby. Jackie Bradley Jr. to the Brew Crew. So they now have Lorenzo Cain, one of the best defensive outfielders in baseball, coming back yeah, he, after he opted out. Yeah, he didn't play last year. So you got him, and you have Yelich, who's looking to bounce back this year. And you have Avisiel Garcia, who is a power-hitting outfielder, which he'll probably just be you know, a plug-and-play guy, essentially, it seems like. The Brewers' bullpen is solid as well, but their defense – and their defense is good, but their starting pitching is still suspect. The Cardinals look to be the favorites still, but the Brewers are one of six teams, as you brought up before – 
to make the postseason the last three years. Buying or selling, the Milwaukee Brewers will win the National League Central. Selling. Now buying on the JBJ the JBJ hype. Uh, they're not going to be able to use 18 million pitchers in September to get them through. Those days are over. And hey, give Craig Council. Hey, you play by the rules. They give you rules. You play. You, you know, you, if you're able to do. But now that September call-ups is going to be a different different deal. Remember that that that's one of the ways during a 162 game season the Brewers have been able to survive September's by pitching eight million guys because their 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 regular guys have just been toast by the time they get to September. Yeah, and they got some other, they got some new starters like Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns who can pitch, but I mean they got I mean their third starters Brett Anderson and Josh Lindblom like these guys that I. I want to see them win because I think Craig Council is a criminally underrated manager for what he does, but I, I still think the Cardinals are the favorite too. And but we'll see. That's why they play the game, as they say. Uh, okay, so something happened. Remember, in 162 games, your warts get exposed. You can cover those warts for 60 games, but you can't cover them for 162. Yeah, well, that's why the, the the Marlins are going to be a very fascinating case study this year uh, for sure. Now, we saw history happen the other day, and it happened today in the A's game, too, but I'll bring up what happened the other day. Only in spring training can a starting pitcher pull in the first inning due to pitch count concerns, stroll back to the mound to pitch in the second inning. That was exactly what John Means of the Orioles did in his Grapefruit League debut Tuesday, proving re-entry is a thing these days in the Orioles' 4-2 loss to the Yankees. Throwing roughly 40 pitches and recording five total outs means allowed one run on four hits in his spring debut. He was removed with two outs and runners on first and second in the first inning after throwing 29 pitches, then it joined a smoother, scoreless second inning. Uh, here's what John Means had to say after the game. When I saw Skip coming out, I was a little confused because I knew he had two, and, and I had no idea that was a rule that I could go back out. And and once I uh, once he came to the mound, he's like, yeah, you're going to go back out next inning. And I, I was a little confused for a little bit, but, you know, it's the way of the times. And, and uh, yeah, Jay did a great job coming in, and then I got the, my second inning. Second inning in. So essentially, buying or selling pitchers reappearing in games in spring training. Totally buying. <laughs> We're the only sport where you take a guy out and he's done. I mean, every other sport, if you're in basketball, I can take you out and then put you back in and take you out. But football, hockey, hockey has shifts. I've I've never thought about it until you just brought that up. But how ridiculous is it in baseball? I can't take you out and put you back in. It, it is. I agree. I think it's silly. Archaic. That That's such an archaic rule. If I take you out and pinch hit for you, what, why can't I put you back in the game later? I mean, some people use two quarterbacks. I mean, that's true. You, imagine, you take your quarterback out, and now he can't go back into the game. I mean, how many guys in football, and let me tell you something, being on the sidelines for, for years, you know how many guys get hurt and they miss plays and then go back into the game? But according to, like, baseball, if a guy got hurt, you got to take him out of the game, now he can't reenter. It's an archaic rule. You should be able – and how much would that be better for your roster if, if you could move guys around? I mean, you want, you want managers to have a chess match? allow guys to come in and out of the game. Yeah. It's uh it's 
you're right. It's an archaic rule, and and I'd like to see him do it. I I forget the Angels pitcher's name, but he did it today against the A's, where he pitched an inning and then he got taken out and he came back in again. But John Means was the first starter to do it, so he's a groundbreaker. Move over opener, John Means, the reappearer in uh, spring training games. Last one. Oh wait, but you'll see the cards and where the managers scratch guys out because they can't go back in. Get rid of that. I love the idea. Like I could, I could pinch hit for you in the fifth and then bring you back into the game in the ninth to hit. It would add so much new strategy to the game. Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, but the last one I'm going to play is more audio of just something cool that happened over during the week. During the uh, Rays, I think it was Rays-Red Sox game on ESPN, uh, Rio Gomez plays in the Red Sox system. That's Pedro Gomez's son, and they interviewed him during the game. So here's what Rio, he was talking about his dad during the uh, during the game. Yeah, what did it mean to you that your dad sometimes would just unexpectedly show up at a college game or a Cape game or a minor league game and you look up and there's your dad? What did that mean to you? I, it, was, it meant the world to me. Uh, you know, he always, there was times obviously where I'd be struggling and whatever he could do via the phone, obviously from Arizona, whether I was in you know, spring training or somewhere along the East Coast for minor league affiliate. Uh, he tried to always help as best as he could over the phone. And then there'd be times where uh, I think he realized where no matter what he could say through the phone, that him showing up in person is what's going to, what, what I'm going to need. And there was a time when I was in extended spring training in uh, 2018. And I was just, you know, I was having a tough time. I was really upset where I felt like my career was just slipping away and out of the blue he just showed up in Fort Myers and surprised me and he was there for a week and it was everything I needed to just be able to turn everything around. So there's Rio uh, Gomez talking about his dad. I wanted to play that the other day but I wanted to get it in today. It was a cool moment to have Tim Kirchin ask the question about you know a guy he worked with forever at ESPN and having Rio I watched it Rio was really good and really you know candid about it so it it was a cool thing for the ESPN to do that among the millions of interviews they did during that game. Well, I mean, it's just so tragic. I got to know Pedro during the Barry Barry Bonds home run race. That's back in the day when I was doing the morning show on KNBR with Gary Radnich. And, you know, that's when Pedro really became a star in television because he was covering Bonds. And Bonds is not an easy guy to cover on an everyday basis. Bonds is a jerk. It's just a reality. I mean, anybody who got to know him at, <laughs> at all, Bonds is not a nice guy. And he's consistent. I, I've got some stories with Bonds. But we, we would have Pedro on the morning show on KMBR all the time when I was there. And he was such a nice man. Great journalist. Sounds like a, a wonderful family man, and he will be missed. There's no question. And you saw the emotion of so many people that he's worked with that knew him far better than people like us. And he was a great ambassador for baseball. And I'm surprised his son held it together there. That I mean, talk about your father on television. Wow, it's not easy to do. Yeah, no, I agree. And I remember when we talked to last. I remember when we talked to Pedro. Was it spring training around this time last year? Remember, he was in, he yeah. was at the co- at the complex interviewing players for ESPN, and we got to talk to him. And you know, it was great. That's the last time I talked to, to Pedro, and um, it was really cool to see Rio do the interview. So I'm glad we we're able to play that and share that with everyone if they didn't get a chance to see it on ESPN. Yeah, no one had a 
no one had a bad thing to say about him. I mean, that, that's a, just that just kind of gives you an idea of the kind of life you led when like everybody just it's so glowing. What a what a wonderful person he was. It's sad. Way to end the show on a sad note, Cody. Great job after you know your computer and everything you've. <laughs> I wanted to uplift everyone's spirits by playing something that was very you know meaningful <laughs> at the very end. I mean, after the the going back and looking at, it, I listened to Seth. I'm so glad Seth Brown's interview was fine because he was really good. I, I he's a fantastic interview. Uh, he is. I mean, you kind of, you know, selfishly, you kind of root for him to make the roster because yeah. he's a great interview and he's a knight and he's a super nice kid. I remember when he got called up, we had him on in the field in 2019, and he he was on us while with us for like 15, 15 minutes. We're like, this guy was just playing in the minors. He, he should not he should not be comfortable talking, uh, you know, doing an interview for this long. And he he just kept going and going, so it was great. Yeah, some of these, you know, a lot of these guys come up and they're not used to dealing with the media. Seth Brown was like, let's rock. He, he put on the headset and was ready to go. Yeah, he was he was good. So, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm rooting for him to make the team because he's just another left-handed bat that they could use. But And selfishly, so we can interview him. But uh, Monday show, looking forward to it. Ken Korak will be on, and Sandy Alderson will be on with us. So we'll talk about the Mets season uh, on Monday. Sandy. How's Sa- Sandy's had a rough start back? Uh, the GM and. Mets have had some really, really tough. Beltron, they've had some tough starts the last couple of years. It's not, it's not easy being a Mets fan, apparently. So I feel for Sarah and all the people that are that we know that are Mets fans because it's. I mean, being a Pirates fan, it's not easy because they stink every year. But at least with the Mets, you have so much optimism, and then it gets taken away before the season even starts. Yeah, I mean, my buddy Rob Heller is a Mets fan, and I just, I just think like, can you imagine? Think of the consistency we have. Think about Billy Bean, David Forrest, Bob Melvin. We've had this great consistency. Carlos Beltran didn't even manage one game for the Mets and was fired. This guy, the GM, I can't even remember his name now. Jared he didn't Porter. even. What was it? Jared Porter. He didn't make one regular season game as the GM of the Mets. When the. How, how in a recent history of a professional sports franchise that your leaders get hired and fired before the first game? Uh, it doesn't happen very often. I remember a couple of years ago, uh, Pitt football uh, lost. Uh, Dave Wanstatt got fired. They hired a guy, fired him a co- like a week later, and then they hired Todd Graham. So they went through three coaches within, what, two weeks? I'm like, well, that's, that's, welcome to being a Pitt fan. It doesn't work. This, that kind of that kind of uh, management that didn't work. You're not going to win when you're turning over these key positions. I mean, think about that. You've had a manager and a GM didn't make the off season when they were hired. That doesn't happen anywhere. I mean, you know where it happens? The New York Mets. Just, just add that. Just add that to the bracket of uh, things that happened to them over the years that we went over before. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> if you ever get a chance, it's still got to be out there somewhere. They did a uh, college basketball style bracket on the worst Mets issues over all of these years. It was hilarious, like stuff I'd never even heard of before, and stuff we can't even say on the uh, on A's Cast Live. But there's been a lot. I mean, other than 1986, if it wasn't for Bill Buckner, 
I mean, the Mets have been. Oh well, now they also have the Miracle Mets too. What was that sixty nine? Was that? I think it was sixty eight, sixty nine. It wasn't in the seventies. Because yeah, I think sixty eight was the Bob Gibson year, so it had to be sixty nine. So other than those two years, and they got to the World Series with Piazza, they lost to the Yankees. They won again a couple of years ago too with uh, um, Matt Harvey, and remember they played the Royals. Oh, remember the Dark Knight? Oh, this guy is the new Dark Knight. Thoracic outlet syndrome ruined his career. I mean, he's still bouncing around right now. He pitched for the Royals last year. I think the Orioles have him now. I think he's an Orioles pitcher. Him and King Felix are on the same staff together in Baltimore. God. When you think Oriole greats, you're going to think King Felix. <laughs> All right, so we'll be back on Monday with A's Cast Live. And since we're we're doing every game, we're back to 4-7. to seven. Yeah, so we'll be on a four that day and the rest of the time. Beautiful. Back into afternoon drive the way we were designed. It's baseball season. We're going to have fans in the stands. It's going to be absolutely incredible. And once again, don't forget, we're going to – when are you going to have the full update ready for A's cast? I'm going to start working on it, uh, some of it tonight and probably over the weekend. If not, it'll be updated by at least by the end of day Monday or and before right. we come on the air. So it'll be – a lot of stuff will be updated and – you're going to hear the replay of the game next because uh, I made the executive decision because of how uh, how many errors we had in the show. Let's just play something that had no errors. <laughs> how much of the show did people, they weren't able to hear? Uh, it wasn't like it was like large chunks. It was like when I kept had it, when I had to leave and rejoin. So it was like seconds. But just edit. The only part that was really long was when we went to that long commercial break when I restarted the computer. And we've been good since then. We're closing on two hours since I closed, on, closed and restarted, and we've been fine. So, Hey. The millennial technology, you know, sometimes it's going to get a little little hairy. And 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 how do you live in Silicon Valley and you have horrible your internet stinks? How's it, that possible? It wasn't my internet though. It was the it was my Google Chrome is what the issue was when I talked to IT. They told me what to do with Chrome and how to get it working right. So it wasn't the internet. So, so up next we can hear Shohei Otani blowing 100 miles an hour? That's correct. And Matt Olson hitting home runs and Matt Chapman making diving plays and some guy pitching the game twice uh, for the for the Angels. Uh, buying or selling Shohei Otani's future as a pitcher is as a reliever. Buying. Yeah. We, I don't know what the closer because I got Rysel Iglesias, but we'll see. This whole we're going to go to a six-man rotation – I just, it just, that's why when, when, when people go, oh, look out for the Angels, I go, no, their pitching is going to be a disaster. And now you're going to go to a six-man rotation. It's just, it, it, poor Joe Madden. Well, He's I mean, back home. He's making a lot of money, but, yeah, I just don't. I, I, I think long-term, there's certain guys, and it goes, it goes with your, Theory on A.J. Puck. If a guy can't stay healthy as a starter but has a great arm, guess what? Put him in the bullpen. He'll help you win games. There's nothing wrong with that. I was uh, – I know we're trying to go, but I was listening to something uh, – What I was I was on a – there's an app out there called Clubhouse, and I was listening to Dallas talk yesterday, and he was talking about – um, I want to say it was Michael Kopech from the White Sox. Someone asked him about the – they were hosting room on there about the AL Central or something. It was like him and a couple of guys from Barstool Sports. And they were talking about the AL Central, and someone asked about Michael Kopech and how he could be used as a reliever, and Dallas went on to talk about 
uh, Michael Kopech and how they can use him, you know, three times a week pitching multiple innings instead of just using him one time. And then he brought up A.J. Puck, and I almost texted him saying, don't steal my take, Dallas. Do not wow. steal it. Wow. Shots fired. He, they're doing one on the AL, the AL West this week, so I want, I'm going to make sure I listen to that one because I raised my hand to ask a question. I wanted to be like, Dallas, why do people love Matthew Boyd from Detroit so much? The guy has an, the guy has an ERA plus below league average. Why do people like him so much? So uh, we'll see. But the, the AL West one will be interesting, but I wanted to add that in there about Kopech and talking about relievers, so. Yeah, I mean, if you're pitching a guy every six day, are you telling me Shohei Otani is more valuable one day a week than three or four? I mean, think about that. You're going. You have a six man rotation. You're going to get each guy. I, I, I guarantee you, the starters hate this idea. Can you name the six? Let's say uh, before we. I mean, I know we've been saying we're going to go for the last twelve minutes. I, I think we're. I think we're a little bit over. <laughs> I, I. I think I can do it quickly. Bundy, Quintana, Heaney, Otani, uh, Alex Cobb, and oh, it's not Sandoval. There's. Like, I knew I forget someone. I got five of them. It's Sandoval. Uh, you think Bundy wants to pitch? I mean, Bundy threw the ball well last year for the Angels. You think? You think? You think he wants to be in a six-man rotation? Well, he's going to be the ace, but no. Yeah. I mean, when you, you're really messing with stuff when you, you know, a four-man rotation, you probably don't have enough guys, a six rotate. It's kind of like when someone says they have two quarterbacks. If you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. If you've got six starters, you really don't got starters. It's like the 49ers. Oh, we really think Nick Mullins can win games for us. If Nick Mullins can win games and Jimmy Garoppolo, no one's winning games for you. So, all right, I'm going to end that. I'm done. All right. We will see everybody. Be safe. Have a great weekend. And we'll see you on Monday right here on A's Cast Live. Up next, it's the A's and the Angels right here on A's Cast. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.